Well, everybody said about the bird. Grown men watch this shit. A podcast about indie wrestling. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 21 of the illustrious show known as... Grown men watch this shit? Yep, yeah. we still yeah, do. Yeah. We still do. Uh, and today, I am, I'm quite excited. We have a, another newsworthy We're action We're excited. You're episode. not just you, man. I'm also excited. <laughs> We're all excited. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, there you go. We have quite a bit coming up. Uh, I'm going to be shooting to a, a past Chris conversation that I had with my cousin Ben a couple of weeks ago, recapping some shows that I went to in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, but before that, uh, both Jeremy and I are tremendously excited to introduce yeah. a dude that we've been trying to get on this show for a little while now. It's another one of our, our fantastic uh, wrestle art editions, which I don't know if anyone else in the world of podcasting cares about this, but I do, and I know Jeremy yeah. does. So we're going to have sure fun. I'm sure there is definitely a niche, a niche market for this. I think so. I'd like to think so. Uh, but uh, without any further ado, I'd like to introduce a, a very talented man. Uh, he's wrestling art is is one of the most unique. That, that I've personally found in the, the Instagram land on the at Jedi Jack Yeti handle. Uh, a dude whose work is like... We'll, we'll get more into the actual specifics of the work. Let's just jump into this. This is one of your best introductions ever. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Mr. Hey. Jackson Zorn. How's it going, dude? It's great. Uh, I'm glad we could finally get together. Yeah, man. Totally stoked to have you on. Um, further to my extended bullshit intro, I wanted to <laughs> definitely put over uh, your your work, man. Um, I, I really encourage everyone to, to check it out uh, at Jedi Jack Yeti, as we mentioned on the, the Instagram. But it, it's like so cool because it's it's got like a, a gothic almost etching kind of vibe to it uh definite like almost like a catholic religious art kind of imagery but like with wrestling shit like it's fucking awesome i, I love it man uh and i can't wait to, to talk to you find out a bit more about your practice more about you uh and, and what what sort of makes your your work what it is you know yeah um, Firstly, yeah we gotta say we're both me and Chris, proud owners, actually owners of his artwork. Sure he was up. nice enough to create some prints and ship them our way. So yeah, amazing work. I can't put it over enough. But yes, please go on. Tell us more about yourself, Mister Zorn. Yeah, I think I, I think I even tried to to scam Jeremy into two stickers <laughs> instead of one. Uh, and you, were, I, was, I was worried if you had offended you. No, by no means. I. It's hard to tell over text. I was like, yeah. we say two, but I always said one. I just want to make sure we're 100% on board, above board, clear as yeah. day. Yeah, that's $3. <laughs> it, it comes in yeah. hand. For and sure, I'm all, brother. I'm so indecisive sometimes. I, whenever I order them, I'll, which I told you, I always order two because I know if I only get one, I'll 
I'll be pretty worried about correct placement. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, this sketchbook's almost filled up, so I shouldn't put this sticker on it. I should wait till the news, till I get a new book. <laughs> put this sticker on that so I can enjoy it longer. It becomes a whole to do, so I remedy that by just buying two of everything. I love it. Um, That's a good practice. Pragmatic. I like it. Yeah. I've I've got a sticker uh, sort of wall at my workstation next to my computer. It's just sort of like organically happened to where I just put all my stickers on that in like a sweet punk rock kind of fashion. Nice. So I, it's yeah. not a lot of doubt on where it's going to go. Boom, that is my sticker place. Uh, yeah. I mean, what what are the other kind of places that are go-tos for stickers? I don't know. I'm not that much of a sticker guy apart from just going Laptop. on my sweet wall. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Laptop. I have them on drawing pads. I keep a bunch in my car to stick on stuff that looks boring, like yeah. lamp pads. You're adding art to the world. I love it. Yeah, as, as, as any good street artist would say, it's making the world colorful. Indeed. Hell yeah. Like a, a good or, Samaritan, really. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, how did you decide to meld these two worlds of, you know, gothic or religious imagery and then professional wrestling? I know for me, wrestling is a religious experience a lot of the time. So maybe that's where the motivation was. Yeah. Um, so... To get a, it'll get it'll come back around to it. Um, but I've always been a fan of wrestling, and and I've always been a fan of orienting the art you make or anyone makes into what they appreciate and enjoy. And I started this graphic novel about 150 pages. It's all written. The pages are all drawn and uh, kind of misfit superheroes and one of the characters was a was a wrestler um and and he uh he got in a car crash south of the border with a chicken truck and uh and and went of course it's a kind of superhero narrative so that of course he has wings when he comes out of the car crash like big angel wings like gruesome yeah and then, you know, so on and so forth. And his, his gimmick was he was the angel. And uh, and he eventually got one of his wings. I believe I had, had it written that his, his right wing got, like, badly damaged in a cage match. Um, <laughs> As I it does. For a so he could, so even though he, you know, had this power of flight, he could only fly in uh, clockwise circles. Yeah. <laughs> and then, through, and through working like that character, eventually I was like, you know, these other characters are fun, but I kind of just like drawing the wrestlers to a degree. Yeah. Or the, the wrestling character to a degree. Um, so, you know, circumstances of life happened, and uh, my wife and I, or my wife had a daughter, um, and it's my daughter, so, but she had her. Um, and you really can't because the graphic novel is going to be watercolor and you can't any time sensitive like medium like that in regards to like painting it and it's drying time and going wet into wet or wet into dry like you can't have a a tot running around at the same time (laughs) and do that I can I can imagine yeah so then I you know, picked up the pen and, and I doodled in pen before, of course, but I'd always 
primarily enjoyed drawing to a degree anyway, but never like intensely hit something with pen. So I started working with the pen of the ease of, you know, drag and drop and you're just done. Um, you make a mark, it's there, it's dry. You can pick it up and go change a diaper and you don't have to worry about it. Mm. Um, <laughs> so you could kind of work in little like five minute stints and then just, just pound away at something whenever you have a chance to chip away at it. Um, so I started, I started primarily doing just the wrestling images and I think through, I'm a big, big fan of like Renaissance art, Gothic art. Um, even the medieval stuff, I love to like walk to it before they've like figured out perspective and such. Oh, and yeah. your figures. Are so much kind fun. Of, yeah. They're like funky little Barbie doll bodies and stuff. And yeah. like, all like 2d so, so just whack yeah. looking it's awesome yeah and i, I think pulling and I, I love working with a figure so i think pulling just that's where a lot of my inspiration comes from and the, you know the advent of art especially around the renaissance and well i mean let's say like up until the enlightenment or past it like all you the church is paying all the artists, so all the arts of Christ and religious iconography. <laughs> yeah, and like the Medici so if, family if commissions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, and if you're a fan of that art of that time period, like it, like Jesus and angels and demons are gonna creep in no matter what. Um, not to say that you know I didn't. I, I think I have a relative understanding of that. I grew up in a fairly religious home as well hmm. um but i can't i can't necessarily like place it as to like when it when it clicked or, or the idea that kind of the overarching idea of a lot of my work contains but um one uh, one day in a dream or whatever um it just kind of clicked that like this is all and i i got a graduate degree in art as well so i was very much so forced always to explain myself as to like well you have to explain why you're drawing this it's not good enough just to draw it or paint it um there has to be a reason and you have to have at least five references that kind of <laughs> yeah like, i get that I, I can relate i came up from the same background yeah. i mean it's so, good in a way that it sort of gets you thinking about stuff a little bit more than, yeah. than you potentially otherwise would but yeah And I think I think a lot of that information, is, if, if any artists like ask themselves, well, like, why am I doing this? Then I think it's there. It's just if no one asks you, then you don't necessarily you draw it because you like to draw it. That's why you're drawing it. Yeah. Most of the time when I start doodling stuff, it's like literally or drawing just coming out of my hands. I'm not even it's mm -hmm. just happening. So I, I, I hard to come up with. Why am I doing this? I don't know. My hands yeah. told me to. And it's and it's which I'm getting further into now but it's like a real kind of like a surrealist idea of like what what are you doing and what's your brain doing inside of there like yeah like let's figure that out let's get funky um but i don't i don't I, like one day i just it kind of i kind of unintentionally figured out that i was like this is what all this is is um it's a it's an intersection of the Christ story with wrestlers. And it's a, and I, I think 
to understand wrestling is to understand Christ and to understand the Christ story is also very much so to understand wrestling. hundred percent. I I think it's an excellent metaphor. Like, I mean, there's so many parallels between the stories and, and ultimately, I guess, like both of these things are about good versus evil. Right. So it's like, there's so many parallels in that way. Yeah. I think on that level, there, there is that. Um, but for me, the what, my hang-up growing up, going to church and stuff, was always the idea of, like, predestination. It's like, well, what's it? Why do I have to choose anything if it's already determined that I'll choose it or not choose it or whatever? So, you know, many a teenage nights spent tossing and turning, thinking about that, flopping it in my mind. And it's like you you have Christ as as this character who is told by his father, it's like, um, you're going to die on the cross and it's, you're going to make a physical sacrifice for all mankind. And that's, what's going to happen. Um, but you still have to feel the physical pain of that and go through the physical suffering of that. Um, but the end is, is determined already. Yeah. So do all this, but the ending's determined. Um, and, and that's, I'd like, if, if there's any contemporary parallel to that, then it's wrestling. Hell yeah. <laughs> and it's wrestler. Like they're, they are, um, and I know, I, I, I know I've told wrestlers this before and sometimes they kind of <laughs> get a little wigged out by the idea that some guys out there comparing them to Christ, but it's, <laughs> oh, they're hell of a dollar size. It's these are, these are women and men who are going out there physically sacrificing themselves for the masses. Um, sometimes safely, sometimes not safely. Um, and, and sometimes things happen, mm-hmm. um, you know, risking, risking bodily harm, um, for a predetermined predestined end. Yeah. Function. Damn. Uh, Definitely. I mean, especially so, like looking at some of the, the deathmatch stuff that Jeremy and I uh, watch from time uh, to time. It's like so mm-hmm. literal. Yeah. And I think it's, and I think it's, and then like from there, you know, I started, I was like, oh, well that's, you know, I ran it by a few friends. It was like, what do you think about this? Like, is it, does it track? You know, are you picking it up? Like, can you understand that? Everybody I talked to, my art friends, their wife included, and my sister, um, was like, oh yeah, totally. And my wife is a relative fan. She's not super hardcore, but she she watches the big ones and then and watches whatever I have on. Um, <laughs> my sister used to be a fan, uh, but she's not so much anymore. But uh. But she could still track with that idea. So I was like, this is something I probably should you know, explore more. I enjoy the idea. Mm. I explore, I enjoy the visuals of it, um, enjoy the nature of it. And then on top of that, I think I think any artist working within um, like within a realm of reference where they're referencing two things that there is a event or a story to relate to any event or story that happens in real life is is it's a good thing to start referencing you know because the way the bible was written um in most religious texts it's like your dog dies here's a story you should read 
You had a bad day. Here's a story you should read. You're wealthy. Here's a story you should read. Um, you know, so on and so forth is meant to be relative to anyone at any time. Mm. And I think, I think wrestling's the exact same way as, and, and now uh, as it, you know, hangs around longer and longer and gets more and more popular, there's. Well, uh, we still got you there, Late Jackson. To... Cool, you dropped out there huh? for a sec. You dropped out there for oh, a sec, sorry. but you're back. We're all right. Okay. Please continue. I just feel like, yeah, even within wrestling, there's an event or a character to, to relate to almost every situation you, that we kind of encounter. I never really considered the, it really, now that I think about it, like, dude, the whole Jesus storyline is such a fucking baby face, like the ultimate baby face progression. Yeah. Like, he sacrifices himself, then he gets asked. He literally has a redemption storyline where he, he reti- comes. Back. Yeah, he retires and then comes back. That's ridiculous. Doing the whole thing for yeah. the people. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. and I think we could, you know, we'll, you, in the end oh, from the, the dog running. Yeah, we got a dog oh. running. Hang on a second. Yeah. I'm going to grab these dogs. Please, please continue. One moment. Yes, yeah, sir. Go. I think from there. I, I, you can you can just kind of break it down even further into like singular stories like you know, Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the garden or you know Jacob I mean it's in the Bible like Jacob wrestles the angel um, so kind of with that overarching idea of Christ and wrestlers and self-sacrifice that uh, once you start kind of digging through the text you can definitely find like other stories that uh, you know, pretty tightly relate to things or events that have happened in wrestling. Um, and I think uh, it's all good. They're both good mediums of storytelling. So there's, you know, and there's there's scripts for everything, and you can kind of weave in and out of of the scripts. Like currently, I've been kind of I haven't really produced any work on it, but I've been tossing the idea around of of like putting someone over in a in a more like classic wrestling sense where you where you where you're about to go out of the business and you and you you know pick someone to you know quote unquote retire you um and thinking about that how how that I mean that's what Christ and his posse of apostles just went and went around doing like you know I wanted to say the stable of apostles. Yeah the, the twelve horsemen. Yeah, I mean, you know, they found like lepers, poor people, um, tax men, you know, just finding these heels of the world and, <laughs> and putting them over. Um, and then, so, you know, and then even before, like, so I've kind of drawn a parallel to like, and I think it happens a few times in the Bible, like Christ washing people's feet and stuff. And it's, so there's a, to me, there's like a parallel to that of like washing someone's feet versus putting them over. Um, and even like before, which I just found this out this week, like before Christ was crucified the night before, like I think I think before they ate, he like washed all the apostles' feet and kind of and put them over in a sense before he before he departed. Mm. Yeah, because they held him in such high regard, and he's doing this for them. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's ultimate sign of respect. Yeah, totally. So I think, I think there's just a lot. If you look at it, if you look at the Bible through the lens of a wrestling fan, or you, or you look at wrestling through the lens of a, uh, 
hardcore Christian or hardcore religious person, then and there's there's like there's so many ties to one another, and there's there's and then the with and drawing works well too, and painting like like we do because there's even in within religion there's layers of like gimmicks and merchandise and like like stuff there's stuff to to kind of back up the the beliefs and ideas and then there's even like levels of stuff is it you know like is it a relic that's a part of christ or is it a relic that christ touched or is it something that of someone's that christ touched them and I kind of like to think about that with like wrestling gear and prints and shirts too. It's like, is it, you know, is it, is it Macho Man's crown or is it a replica of the crown or is it a figurine or is it like a official WWE print or is it a bootleg print or <laughs> like it just goes on and on the kind of the kind of worship of wrestling in general and the types Hell of yeah. items you can attach to yourself, which I think is similar to a lot of religions where, you know, you can, if you need it on a keychain, then there's a keychain for that. Mm. Well, it's almost like when you go to a wrestling show and you end up buying merch or, you know, even say purchasing from the concession stand, it's like you're tithing for the fucking wrestling, you know, you're, mm. you're paying, you're, yeah, you're offering something up. Actually, you, with religious thing, I didn't really think about this before, but I wanted to ask your opinion on it. When characters such as The Undertaker or uh, Raven use like a, a crucifixion imagery, how did that go over with you personally? Oh, I loved it. I mean, uh, I don't like. I think it's it's a it's a funny thing because out of context, it's like. We tend to forget, I feel like, um, especially when we look at wrestling and, and even sports in general. I think outside of the realms of, of a religious institute, we tend to forget religion to a degree. Um, like, you know, they, I remember when... Taker crucified Stephanie McMahon on the big Taker symbol. And even I just did it. Like, he crucified her on a Taker symbol. Like, no, he didn't. He crucified her on a cross. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. We're I mean, not bullshitting anyone here. You can say it's, like, it's a gimmick cross. That's all we know. Yeah, like, they can say it's, oh, it's a Taker symbol. It's like, no, it's not. It's a cross. And, and there's, and then there's like you know the whole even with Taker I mean it's kind of pretty in depth with him because it's like his brother Kane comes back and it's like well how many how many people are picking up that motif or that kind of reference to the Bible yeah hundred percent and I like more recently with I I don't even remember what it was at but like the Finn Balor Lesnar. There's and it's pretty common in wrestling in general. Just like, oh, it's the, the David David Goliath, Goliath yeah. match, mm. and it's it's and it, and they're they straight up say it all the time. But I always wonder, like, we kind of David versus Goliath has kind of become such a metaphor that like 
it's almost detached from the Bible. Like when someone yeah. says in verse Goliath, like my mind doesn't immediately go to the Bible. It just goes to like big guy versus small guy or yeah. big girl yeah. versus girl. Um, Jerry used to always throw out, it's the proverbial something like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm referring to Proverbs. I'm like, yeah, that, like, you don't realize how much they throw religious references in there until you actually take a second back. Oh yeah. Fuck. That's directly yeah. from Proverbs. And, and and I was and like and and so that's like a big one that's there and and like of course the Raven Raven stuff as outcast and like Sandman stuff in ECW it's it's there I, th- I think Sandman was, pissed off Kurt Angle man he, yeah <laughs> yeah and it's you know it's theatrics it's I I'm like I have I have a buddy I'm gonna get to mix something together for me but I, I just want to visually see like passion of the christ mixed with some like old school like new japan hardcore matches just kind of like a five minute clip of just that movie mixed with hardcore matches i could definitely envision atsushi onita of fmw fame yeah. being <laughs> jesus christ during the yeah i don't action. know anything about video editing so i kind of just have to play with it in my head and picture it but i feel like it could be interesting in it and at some point the two would just meld together and just be like oh it's the same thing because yeah. it is um, <laughs> So many and, and, parallels there, actually, because Onita was all about like his suffering for the people through FMW. It was basically his, his tribulations and the pain and the scars and the bleeding and the electrocutions and, and the barbed wire. And Yeah, that's, that's actually quite, quite spot on there now that I think about it. Yeah, and like the barbed wire, you mm. know, parallels, crown of thorns. It's, it's, yeah. it's all if you... Oh, that'd be so cool as a drawing! Holy shit! Yeah, I think it's one of those things. Like if you if you're looking for it, then you'll you see it a lot. Kind of like if you're looking for a specific number in your day to day life, all of a sudden it's popping up everywhere. Um, but even like, because I'm I don't have as much time to watch wrestling as much anymore. So I'm primarily you know watching stuff on the network and then. Every now and then, I, I got the New Japan subscription too, but I nice. can only really hit that big ones. Um, and then just like YouTube fumbling around, but mm. like I know in that, I think it was the last woman standing, like Charlotte Becky. I was probably two or three pay per views ago. Like Char- Becky, like covered Charlotte in all these chairs, and then like Charlotte comes kind of like you know crumbling out, and chairs are kind of going everywhere, like. Michael Cole is like verbatim. He's like, Charlotte is risen. And he said, is risen. <laughs> like, you know, I looked at my wife. I was like, did you just hear that? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, he said, Charlotte is risen. <laughs> you got to know that's like a Vince line coming from commentary as well. Like he's uh, definitely putting that into Michael Cole's ear. the Christ child. <laughs> notebook i keep and it's right ideas in some stay some go and then you know other images like play into that too and i and i the reason they're primarily christian based is because that's kind of where my 
knowledge of religion is is based within. But um, there are I am trying to branch out for more like material, quote unquote, or sources. Um, but I know it's interesting when you do start to branch out, you find a lot of them are all the same. Uh, just kind of switching up names and changing things around to a degree. Um, well, one of your works, I, the one I fell in love the most with is not necessarily overtly religious, is that Andre collage with a segmented head, like uh, the one that you really tried to pressure yeah. me into getting two stickers of. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> that one, like, when I saw it, it blew my fucking world apart. How, how did yeah. that idea even I mean, that almost like gave me more of like, <laughs> a, like a Buddhist Eastern religion kind of um, yeah. kind of aesthetic. Thanks. Um, I'm, I appreciate with the collages. That's something pretty new to me, and I, I, that was kind of the goal: is to like just blow people's fucking minds with them. Um, I was, I gotta put him over because he got me turned on to it. I was uh, a buddy of mine on Instagram, Hulk Hulk Kogan. Oh, that AG. dude's awesome. I love that guy. Yeah, Hulk he, um, Kogan. Yeah, so it's H U L L space. Kogan, K-O-G-A-N. Um, he's a genius. Yeah. Um, and he, I think one of the first, like, merch things he did was, like, this Hulk Kogan collage kit. And it was, it's, it's a baggie with, like, some different scraps of paper. There's a little canister of, like, matte medium in it. There's a little paintbrush. There's a pen. So it's like a little kit you can make a you would use to make a collage. I mean, it's pretty simple, um, and he's designed it well. And there's some stickers in there and stuff. You know, it's it's a probably maybe five by seven inch bag full of stuff. Um, and yeah, I I ordered one from him. I think it was like five bucks or something. Um, and so I was like, I yeah, I think I was on Christmas break. Uh, so I was like, I'll try one of these collages. So, you know. So he sent me that, and then the collage just started kind of rolling. Um, that Andre piece, um, I feel like it's... I mean, with the collages, it's always an easy fallback. Is like, well, because I like, I like flowers and, like, green stuff. So, like plants and whatnot so it's always an easy fallback to like, plants it's the garden of eden dude Duh. Uh, but, but 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 like um i think i think the title of that which i always kind of fluctuate titles and change them as i go as to what i feel is should be the title that day but the title of that one is um i think it's in those days there were giants and there still are or something like that and that's from, that's like, that's part of the Noah story. And I don't, I, I don't, it's like one of those things in the Bible that's mentioned. And then it, and then it's like, oh, well, yeah, there are giants. And then let's get on to the Noah part. Um, <laughs> so, and so it's not like a direct correlation in regards of like, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's just like the word giants in the Bible and, and there it is. And Andre the Giant is, you know, the word giants in his name. Um, so you can kind of just title the piece based off the verse and then just roll with it. Um, but I, I, I wanted to do some of that 
kind of dissection stuff too. And it's pretty popular right now. If you start to kind of float around the, especially like within digital collages online, mm. you start to look for it. You can, you can like, if you just Google search digital collage portrait, then like somebody's chopping a head in half to see what it looks like and making some flowers or sprigs come out of it or something. I wonder if um, it all came from return of the living dead with the split dog. Either of you get that reference? <laughs> I've seen the movie, but I can't remember it. There's a part. I, escapes me, buddy. There's a part in the uh, the warehouse where they've got all of the stuff that becomes reanimated when the the gases leak out of the chamber, and one of them is like this this surgical model dog that's like split in half, um, and. You know, so you can see oh, yeah. all the inside of it as, as a student, and then yeah, it becomes a alive, and it's like barking and shit while it's like split, and it, it yeah. always troubled me. But yeah, it was it was pretty. Yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm seeing it now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what became so popular about it. I think, I mean, I think for me, if you go back into you know the splitting of the physical form and letting the interior and with that piece in particular it's like flowers and stuff coming out and yeah you know well Andre's um, made of flowers and everything nice everyone knows but of course and and then i was always a big fan and even the other collide the there's two specific ones that i think of like i don't i don't necessarily consider them like failures but I, they're more of a learning experience than a finished product um but like I always, I was always really attracted to like the National Geographic pages as a child. That like, it'll be like in the rainforest or a, or under a pier or under a dock or, and it's this singular image, but it kind of contains like ninety percent of the animals that live in that area within the one image. Yeah. Yeah, I know the um, ones you're talking about. And then there's like a little number usually next to them, and there's a little key. And I always was really attracted to those images, just how kind of chock full the artists made them. I remember even like as a kid, like fantasizing about like, I want to be an artist that does that. And then now I think like, that would be horrendous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the amount of intricate work required no get get yeah, out of here fill with it that all into this one fucking yeah. space without it looking all wonky yeah and then yeah i mean and then the biologist coming and telling you that the red fox is too red yeah <laughs> or like the comparative size issues you know like this this fox is way too big compared to this butterfly like come on yeah, yeah. but that what do you do but that's kind that of mother or with those Andre, with the with that Andre collage, like is is kind of like just Get as much stuff in as possible. Yeah, just full of stuff. Yeah, because the more you look at it, like you're more like, holy shit, look! Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and there's you know other ones that I've done, and I've, I haven't gone that same layout or form, and it's it's been a little tougher to figure out like where things should go and you know where how does this work so i think i'm i'm still kind of forcing myself to not just do that kind of filling the space as i see but um but i think that does definitely visually work so when i 
I want to pull it back out, and I do. Um, Another one yeah, of the collages, like layout-wise, that I was just blown away with was the the Mark Henry one. Like that yeah. was just beautiful, man, and like Amazing. just the, the composition and and all those little details so that you're saying, yeah, yeah. So that one was there was a I had seen a sculpture that a lot of this a lot of stuff like I'll see things in three dimensions and I'll see if I could make it too. Um, I could have been that. I just saw Pinhead and was like, no, that's what it was. There was, I was doing a logo for a cat in New York City and uh, he wanted a skull and I, I, I'm going to put some stink on it. So I put like, spikes coming out of like bone tension type spikes coming off the skull and he was like i don't want the spikes it was like pinhead <laughs> what's wrong with pinhead i was like well i mean he did tell me exactly what he wanted then i tried to change it so right I was, <laughs> it happens <laughs> that's how commissions go then, you know i told yeah. myself like those spikes are gonna come back <laughs> um so then that's where i kind of got that you know, floating head of of Mark Henry with the kind of golden, you know, yoke inside of it with the spikes kind of protruding um, in that kind of layered format of, of actually looking at it here on the computer now. Um, that kind of layered format of, of the animals and plants and animals and plants. And then I think, I can't remember with that one, What's like, yeah, I found some interpretive dancers there, there too. I think with that one, I, I think they're primarily... my favorite part actually. Like, yeah. they're, they're sort of, they're, they're uh, like in my mind's eye, like, they're kind of like, like praying to this, mm -hmm. this moment, or they're just wowed and, and, uh, you know, glowing in the, the beauty of it type of thing. Yeah. Arms are up in a yeah. kind of weird arched back posture. I didn't realize this is a very uh, visually uh, <laughs> referential podcast. So, it is. Uh, so everyone sure better be looking at this Instagram this, page. Yeah, make sure you pull have his Instagram up if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> and you're going to have to roll back and forth because, yeah, it's a lot of us talking about what the pictures look like. <laughs> and, like, you know, with that one, I think – I, I kind of figured out through the through the Andre the Giant one is like you need a you need a kind of base color so you, your things don't get too far off from each other. Yeah. So like you just look, I just would look for like a lot of similar tones and such. That piece actually is where is that one? That one was in California. It's on its way back now, and then it has to go somewhere else for a show, like by the fifth of next month um i just got andre back in the mail today it's always weird because like i you know you it's nothing I, I don't worry it's just like a super surprise it's like oh I, I, it's it's artwork i know i'll like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I do worry a little bit sometimes like where is it what is it doing who's seeing it who's you know not picking up what i'm putting down Who's you know offended by it? Who's not? Um, 
Do you have like explanations oh, that accompany the work? Like some of the, the art galleries you go to have that little sort of like explanation spiel, or do you prefer for it to kind of speak for itself? Ask, well, sometimes they'll ask, sometimes they don't. I keep it pretty loose, just kind of keep it to that Christ reference. Hmm. Um, I don't. The, the Mark Henry one, like, aside from it being plants and stuff, there's no like. And there's gold in it, but and there's no really religious reference in it. I just like, so I got to say it because the title of that one is one that I actually haven't changed. And I was proud when I came up with that one. So the Mark Henry one is uh, Chocolate Hole of Sexual Pain. Chocolate, yeah, Chocolate <laughs> Hole of Sexual Pain. Um, so, which I feel like Mark Henry should have like used that at some point. <laughs> Like it's too good. Like, That's how do you what have, I do. Yeah, like how do you have two gimmick names and not like decide to smash them together? Uh, <laughs> he was at. I was at Elimination Chamber last month, and he was there to uh, hype his documentary that aired after it. And he came out and gave a little spiel. Um, you know, I'm back in the. 275th row would be like, I know he saw that I tagged him on that collage. <laughs> Definitely I, in the I, back I of his mind. I, yeah, like, I, I don't, I, I, won't, I wouldn't claim that I, like, have seen all of the wrestling art that exists, but I just don't, I don't see that much Mark Henry wrestling art. Yeah. So, <laughs> he'll be like, I was pretty jazzed with that fucking collage, yeah, I, man. <laughs> I don't. I think there should be, but I just don't see him, you know, looking at his phone in the morning, like, oh god, another plethora of drawings of me. <laughs> I, I kind of want to make when that a thing. Stop? I kind of want to create this like hashtag of Mark Henry wrestling Mark art. Henry art. Yeah. <laughs> Let's create this movement, man. Dude. World yeah. artist, man. Yeah. Huh? Uh, but that's another thing too. I mean, I I feel like within, which I which I kind of wanted to discuss with with YouTube as well, is that there is there's you know in the art world there's high art, low art, lowbrow, highbrow, outsider art, insider art, you know whatever, and then mm. there's, and there's fan art as well, and I I feel like there's this kind of weird thread that gets threaded within when you're so closely referring to pop culture that sometimes um legitimate art can be misconstrued as like oh tag mark henry and it's fan art now yeah it's like well that's uh, not, yeah, yeah. Uh, and not that there's an issue with fan art whatsoever but it's not but it's sometimes it's i think there is a gray area that mm. gets a problem i think I feel like people a lot of times forget about the term pop art, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. So would you would you think maybe the, the distinction of fan art is art done specifically for that subject's attention, maybe almost to a point, or how would you see that? Like, does it have to do with their their background? You know, whether it's just someone doing something for funsies or someone that's actually making a practice out of it. Like, is that the distinction? It's an interesting thing to talk about, yeah. actually. Because I, mean, I mean, I've I've done things like images which I took time to do that aren't necessarily like super artistic, but I did it for enjoyment. It's art to me, and I wanted to share it. But I don't know. I wouldn't say it's fan art per se. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know where where the line is and I'm definitely not the person to to, to draw it. Uh, <laughs> no, but, we're asking you now. Exactly yeah. your, you'll make the determination and we'll let everyone know. But I, I do find that it's sometimes because you we kind of you kind of brushed on it with talking about like how, you know how do you explain the work within the realm of a gallery, and I feel like it can get construed in that way sometimes. Um, oh, like oh, this is just like a picture of Mark Henry, and I think the weird thing about the Mark Henry piece, there's a it's, in working with like pop culture, and 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 fandom to a degree, it's a really funny line to walk because you're like the Andre piece works because that's gotten into some shows and stuff too. And I feel like it works because everyone knows who he is, even if you're not a wrestling fan. Um, and then the Mark Henry piece floats because I feel like in a lot of times people like the image, but they don't know who Mark Henry is. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I, I bet those people that go past it is like, oh, sweet, Rick Ross picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a, it's, a, it's kind of like a, a funky little... Especially little, a real that, racist white guy, right, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look at all black guys look alike. Look at this guy. Hey, 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 snuff at that. Kidding, buddy. <laughs> I was saying that you are. I'm saying, never mind. Yeah, yeah. I like I, I dig it. I dig it. Um, yeah, yeah. With, with that... What you were just talking about, Jackson. I was I was thinking like it struck really a chord with me with kind of like um, Shepard Fairley Perry and the Obey stuff and uh -huh. Andre and and like that is almost like where this whole sort of referential pop art kind of like at, at least when it comes to like the dissection with with the intersection with wrestling. Um, yeah, and and the idea of, of using this this image of a of a wrestler, and it's like most of the people, you know, the, the Noah Bay and Dig uh, Shepherd stuff. It's like most of them are, probably have no idea about wrestling, but they just think this picture of Andre is cool. Um, and, and I guess in a larger way, like you're saying, in sort of these art gallery contexts, it's like you, you're using the visual of this wrestler, and some people get it and they're like way into wrestling. Some people don't, but it's like it sort of makes it bigger with the with the change in context i guess mm -hmm. like it, it's quite interesting like to to then 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 you bring in like the world of, of merchandising into it and like making money off of, of this uh image and then you know the 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 worker wrestlers out there anytime their their likeness is used they want to get some coin off of it and um i don't know it's uh, it's part of the conversation i guess yeah, I, I would I would agree. Um, I, I and I'm not in. I if I ever, you know, I typically if if I can, and you know they if they exist on Instagram, like I'll tag them and I'll DM like the there's a image like a uh, Ric Flair and like I there's no way in hell Ric Flair is going to respond to me, but I'll DM. <laughs> Like, here's this image of you, like, you know, happy birthday or whatever. Um, like, and so I feel like, like, you know, if I if I sold a print for a measly twenty, then I bet if you tag Charlie, like, hey, you'd get you'd get a I, I good response. In touch with you, and, <laughs> um, but 
But yeah, I, I think that's another thing to to consider as well. And if I mean, I guess know, that's a bit of a different kettle of fish. I mean, to me, like if we are looking at it, you know, from an outside perspective, when you bring it into the world of art. And like the the use of, of sampling images and things like that, you know, like the whole mm-hmm. Andy Warhol thing. It's like the the, the subject matter of, of what you're including, it isn't necessarily just, you know, you're doing a picture of them so they, they get X amount, X amount of money for their licensing yeah. fee. It's like it's, it's just utilizing sample uh, material. And it's like if yeah. it was just the picture of it and you hadn't done all of that hard work, like I don't think it'd be worth the, the, the value that you've you've given it. So Yeah. And I feel like too there's kind of I don't know, it's there's a it's an interesting kind of line that comes up of what's what does the culture own now and what does what what does the creator own? And I always, I always think about compare. I always think about George Lucas more so. If of like when he, in most people's opinions, bastardized Star Wars and made those that second trilogy. Yeah. Like everyone was like, "You ruined something that's ours." It's like, well, he ruined, <laughs> he ruined something he made. Yeah, yeah. Like doing so, the Vince bringing the NWO in to destroy his own creation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. So cut off his nose despite his face. <laughs> and I, I just imagine that's a, it's a pretty. I would imagine it's a pretty hard situation to be dealing with as as that person, be it a character of it, within wrestling, being like a character you've developed that became so ingrained in pop culture that like everybody's using it on everything, versus versus like well, what's actually yours now? Because you've become so popular, the culture now owns you or owns what you've created to a degree. Um, which I think is definitely up for debate and definitely a a good discussion to have. I don't think there's any answer necessarily, but Mm. I can't imagine, like, you know, I mean, I feel like if you look at wrestling images, you can say, like, I would say, like, Andre and Macho Man, definitely Stone Cold as well, like, the culture owns those images now. Yeah, <laughs> like, Hogan. I don't think I'd anyone go with Rick can. Blair too. Yeah. But yeah, like honestly, when I, I I wanted to do like other shirt designs and ideas of wrestlers that I'm big fans of, but I feel so weird. Like this guy's alive. I'm like selling a shirt with his picture on it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or even dead one. Like I feel like I'm taking the advantage family? of somebody by. Yeah, exactly. I feel. But there's other people out there have no moral obligation, apparently, against selling likeness of others. And who knows? Is it really a moral conundrum to do that? It's- to me, it's like how creative you are with it and how much you're adding to it. You know, if you're just straight up using their likeness and saying, here's a shirt with Macho Man's picture on it with the title <laughs> Macho Man on it. <laughs> it's like, dude, he probably should, his family should be getting some money for that. You know, Lanny should be seeing some coin there. Uh, but. Uh, you know, if, if it is sort of reimagined and it's got some real creativity to it and it's been separated from the original subject matter, then that's where I guess it becomes a bit more of an interesting discussion. 
Yeah, like I did that shirt for uh, Sal Bandini, Wanna Wrestle, the whole fucking thing from uh, Ready to Rumble. Yeah. And like Martin Landau's not alive. Is his family going to see me selling this Martin Landau likeness t shirt? I doubt it. <laughs> it. That'd be so insane. All of a sudden, Martin Landau's family, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I definitely want a Jimmy King uh, t-shirt Oh, I was well, just looking so. at something I want to do it, hell yeah <laughs> beautiful, beautiful And that one might just be a straight up picture of Jimmy King on a shirt Yeah, exactly <laughs> and We go full circle, but then it's like How many movie studios has, has that movie uh, Gone through the ownership Of by this point it was like... I'd probably have heat with Eric Bischoff I'd know that <laughs> <laughs> Nice Um so uh, Jackson, I also wanted to you, you mentioned before, like about your your kind of art friends and, and you being able to kind of like spin off of of their insight with this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Would you say you you have like more art friends in that world than like wrestling buddies in that world, or what's the kind of like what's the the comparison there for you like that? Uh, I would say like I think. I mean, true friends that like you know, but other other than like acquaintances and stuff, or guys yeah. that I shoot shit with online, and like say a majority of the friends that are kind of lukewarm into wrestling, uh, definitely into art. So I mean, it's it's there, it's but it's not as 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 much so as as I am necessarily there. Dealing with different ideas and different, you know, different structures of artwork in general that have nothing to do with wrestling, which is yeah. good. Um, I don't, you know, everybody can't make wrestling images mixed with religious iconography. <laughs> I'd hope um, not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Everyone's been jumping on that. Um, so I start a new movement inadvertently yeah. and totally flood the market. Way to go, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's bouncing ideas off. Um, a lot of a really good friend of mine who's a photographer, um, he deals a lot with kind of figuring out what it is to be a white male in America. Uh, and it's he, tough, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's tough. It's tough to figure it out. <laughs> um, but. But yeah, his so his work isn't dealing with that. But he's the guy I go to all the wrestling shows with. Um, and then like my wife's an artist as well. Um, hers her work deals a lot with like what the home structure is and can be, and kind of how we view you know architectural structures and how we label them and encounter them, and then how what happens in those structures can change. Um, so so no, I mean they're. But I think the beauty, I feel like... Do you find you get a, a unique perspective from them on this wacky world of, of wrestling that you wouldn't get otherwise? Or are they just kind of a bit more indifferent, as you were saying, they're not quite as into it as, as you might be? I definitely enjoy uh, listening to what my wife has to say, Kai. Um, K-I is her name. Um, Kai Miller. But because she's... Number one, she's coming to it as a female. Um, number two, she's coming to it as a black American. Um, number three, she's coming into it based on my own fandom. Yeah. 
So, because she, she didn't grow up watching it. Yeah. Um, she kind of started watching it when we first started getting together, or hanging out a decade or so ago. Um, so I really like getting her perspective, not so much. I mean, she's there to look at the work and give me pointers and tips and clues and stuff. But I, I really, but we've talked about, she and I have talked about each our artwork for the past 10 years. That's, you know, mm. most of what we talk about. So I really like to get her perspective, kind of watching a new fan, kind of experiencing these things like that. The Elimination Chamber was her first pay-per-view. It was her first televised and pay-per-view event that she right. had ever been to. Wow. Um, she had been to a fair amount of house shows with me. but um, And I like getting her perspective on just like different wrestlers, what what she's, you know, think what she thinks they're doing with them, what they are doing with them. And there was... She did something the other day that made me like super proud and happy. She was like, uh, who? Someone had a women's title match, but I can't remember. Yeah, it was Dana Brooke. And like two weeks prior to that, Kai had said, like, before the match was announced, Kai had said, like, Dana Brooke, like, her, her chops are getting tighter. Like, she's starting to look like really good out there. And and then like two weeks later they're you know putting her putting her for the strap. And I was like whoa! Like I remember like the first time like that ever happened to me that I like saw somebody out of the blue like just walk through the door first night and be like that dude's got it. Yeah, he's gonna have a title. <laughs> and then you know and it's a, it's a it's a nice feeling. It's almost like a weird gratification that like oh I'm I'm such a fan that I can spot. Like, who's got it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, once, awesome. once you start seeing behind the Matrix code, it, you become a different kind of fan. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was exciting when she... Because, I mean, I didn't see. She was like, that Dana Brooks, she's getting there. And I was kind of like, ugh, whatever. Anything <laughs> <laughs> different? Like, That's really I cool. I preferred her when she was Alexandra York number 2.0 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... I think I've heard Tommy Dreamer said it, say it, and like it all, everything can go back to wrestling. Hmm. And, and I feel like in having conversations, you know, with my artist friends or friends or people that aren't artists or people that aren't fans of wrestling, like you, you can wiggle around enough to make the inter- make the conversation somewhat interesting. Um, hopefully um just because the the wealth of information and narratives within wrestling are are there so and it it, i feel like with you know film and tv shows and everything in between like i think people are consuming uh, wrestling without even knowing it to a degree now like you know, if you've seen any Fast and the Furious movie in the past five or six years, if you've seen a movie with Dwayne Johnson, then <laughs> chances are he's elbowed someone or done a rock bottom. <laughs> you, you might not know that, but he did it. 
<laughs> and like I remember, so this is like way back, but like, like Blade Three. Do y'all remember that? Hell yeah! Mm-hmm. He has Triple H in it, and he has a little Pomeranian. <laughs> yeah. I always thought There's it was a, so I, weird that of all people that they had back then, they went with Triple H. I mean, I know why, with hindsight and everything, but I just thought yeah. he was quite strange in that part. Yeah, but even in that movie, like there was this, like they're they're fighting in like some weird jail cell or something. And he, yeah. like I want to say I don't think he like he does gives him the a wrestling move. move. I remember there was a wrestling but move. Does, like, it was a like a wrestling. body slam or something, right? Yeah. So I think it's one of those things like people are consuming even if they don't know they're consuming it. Um, Doesn't Captain we, America do a German suplex to, a, to somebody in the fucking I, first Captain America movie? I think so. Yeah, it's like they throw wrestling moves into everything nowadays. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's kind of everywhere, which is good. It's good for artists like us. It's good for people in the business, obviously. Um, and it's good for anybody that enjoys wrestling in general. Mm. and in, enjoys that type of storytelling. Um, I mean, I guess you can look at it from, like, the narrative structure of the, the movies as well. Like, one of my – still, I reckon, my favorite movie that The Rock has ever made is uh, Walking Tall. And, gotcha. like, the actual, like, story of that movie, it's it's so, like, you know, basic and, and formulaic in a way, but just so well done. I mean, I love the original Walking Tall film uh, as well, probably even more. But it's just like the exact, you know, story of a wrestling match, you know, where you've got your, your start bit where they sort of get you you're interested in in uh, what's what's going on with like the opening spot. Uh, you've, you've got some sort of dramatic thing that happens and then the, the heat uh, where, uh, what was it? I think it was like the, um, the, the corrupt sheriff. Uh, working with the drug dealers, and then your mm-hmm. your final, you know, triumphant uh, climax and and comeback and and finishing sequence like that. That's all you know. A wrestling match yeah. is, uh, but uh, but that's like what every good good story should be. You know, you can change it up mm-hmm. a bit here and there, but it, it's always the same thing. I um, yeah, I thought. I think... in... Sorry, go on. No, um, I was gonna say I think wrestlers are kind of doing. There's certain guys that are kind of doing the opposite of that too, and like if you watch, like Ricochet and his stuff now, he's getting more and more like he's pulling Avenger moves into his posturing, which, which I didn't notice at first, and I, I ne- definitely didn't notice it when he was in Lucha Libre. But I'm, like even his music when he comes out, it's like that kind of like Hans Zimmer, like. <laughs> The music is superhero music, and then if you I look at his, I actually got like when I was watching Lucha Underground back when he was Prince Puma, like I got a lot of superhero vibes from him there. Like even just the the larger than life, uh, you know, hero character that was Prince Puma, yeah. I thought it was it was very over the top, like movie superhero type of thing. Yeah, and he does the uh, like the the, the kind of like one hand down, knee down other knee up superhero pose that kind of posture and then there was something he does he i was watching the newest nxt today and he i never noticed but that kind of like that front kick that's kind of getting bigger now where you kind of just kick someone's hip out from under them 
And it's just kind of like a straightforward low kick. Yeah, but you yeah. kind of stomp at him to a degree. And then the guy kind of um, takes like a front bump when he's like, yeah, like goes out kind of thing. Yeah. And like lands on his face. Yeah. Like that's totally like that's the Punisher superhero. Like that's the superhero movie where you can just kick someone in the leg like that in the front and they, you know, <laughs> like face plant. <laughs> um, so I think it, I, I think it's definitely, you know, they're kind of pulling in from multiple directions as to like how they're getting their characters across, which I think is good. I think there's a need for that type of character. And like with, like with Ricochet, like that, his ring garment or whatever he wears out is cloak or whatever. Or that, yeah. His best bathrobe cloak is, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it's not meant to look like a superhero, then it has no other purpose. Why? And only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's working both ways. And, and like you said, like with, with any, t- I think we're just definitely consuming wrestling at a, a probably not. Pitch. Yeah. Probably not at the same pace we were in the nineties, but, or eighties too. But it, I, I think, think it's definitely. Maybe less people kinda, are, but like the people that are, are, are consuming it at a far higher rate than we ever were like in the the 80s or, or even the 90s like because i'm know, more honest about my fandom i'll tell you that much yeah i was I, I was so open about being a wrestling fan i didn't really know anybody who also was or they were also probably closet wrestling fans themselves and as i become more of an adult i'm like i don't give a fuck wrestling's awesome yeah i remember it was cool like in the late 90s i remember when i was in in uh high school or primary school and high school back then and then into like maybe 2000, it was still kind of cool. Like there'd be a bunch of dudes at school where we'd all talk about it and everything. And then it just like, as soon as they uh, WCW went down, every, it was so not cool anymore. And you wouldn't talk to people about it. And it was this weird secretive type of, oh, you watch wrestling? Ugh. You know, but then it's, it's made a, a real comeback lately with all like, the cool yeah. wrestling that's available, I guess. Yeah, and I think there's there's... I think storytelling's gotten better. The athleticism of 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 the wrestlers is has has clipped up a notch to compete with, you know, the other things that can be seen. Other forms like of entertainment. Yeah. Um and so I think it's a, it's a good spot to be in, but like what you just said, I mean, what both of you just kind of said, that's another kind of that idea of like dropping out of being a fan and then coming back in later in life. Um, that's kind of another thing that I think about a lot within my work is in relating it back to religion, not to like backtrack into another conversation, but like that idea of kind of you you're raised with a certain belief and then eventually you kick back against that and drop it mm. um, in, in your later adolescence. And then, and then some of those beliefs you, you eventually come back around into hundred yeah, percent, um, especially, and I really like it with that idea with wrestling because most of the reason any of us dropped it was because we kind of found out it was, it was choreographed or, and at the time we would have, <laughs> Like, I, I noticed you back off on, on saying the, the was, F word. We don't yeah, want to. The phony stuff. It's, yeah. it's too um, It's too yeah. wrestling. But that's, 
that a lot of people have been told that about their beliefs as well, or they felt that way about their beliefs at some point. Yeah, they're made to feel stupid for... (laughs) It's like, oh, we... You assume that just because we like this thing that we are buying in 100% and going to humiliate us for us, I don't even want to deal with this. I will stop watching what I liked. Yeah, Yeah. so I, I, I think there's definitely a parallel to, like, born again Christians within that of like why did you depart from your belief and then why did you come back um and man then, such a parallel like uh, you're just saying i find that really interesting the idea of the parallel of, of people looking down upon wrestling fans and then also the parallel of i i see a lot of people looking down on on uh you know people who are, are religious you know the idea that that they think mm-hmm. it's 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 dumb or, or that it doesn't make sense you know with their belief system yeah. and then like condescending someone else because of, of you know their own beliefs like in in both cases it's it's crazy fucked up uh but mm-hmm. but it, it's definitely there in, in in both of those things yeah and I, the whole i i was approached by someone that i speak to on a regular basis um and they asked me are you still doing drawings of that fake wrestling stuff and i was like it was kind of like well number one as as a fan it was like what are you what decade are you living in (laughs) (laughs) like it's like it's a shocking announcement did did you know that this wrestling is fake i just found this out last week what's going on here yeah thought it was all above the level yeah and and my my big thing with with that kind of idea was always that like well you know like so you so if you if you're like ousting anything that's that's not as it presents itself on television or entertainment then like tell me what books you're reading what tv shows you're watching <laughs> what movies you're going to see like what are you doing that's only based in reality. Yeah, no fiction Dude, when whatsoever. I, when I was a kid, I, I wanted to watch Raw, and I was with my family. My dad was also a fan, but the rest of the family didn't want to watch Raw. And they said, we don't want to watch that fake bullshit. We want to watch Alien Nation. And Alien Nation <laughs> was a TV show about a man with a alien partner. They were both cops. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah, does that that word and that kind of mindset of like if that's your reason you don't like it, then it's like really challenging to me that you're that you're like consuming other things mm. and that aren't you know quote unquote fake or choreographed or like you uh, only scripted. watch you only watch documentaries. Yeah, yeah. But the funniest thing those um, documentaries these days are so you know warped. Tony. Like, oh, totally. They're a work, dude. <laughs> so that idea definitely hits home too. Is, is that kind of, you know, losing your religion to a degree and then coming back to it um, with, uh, which I think now, I think that is kind of what's happening is that you're, I mean, because we're around, I think we're both, we're all around the same age. So we're the guys and girls that did kind of, depart after that after wcw kind of crashed Mm. and now we're coming back or have been back except now we kind of 
the demand we have can be has been met to a degree. Wow, I didn't uh, think about this. Like it kind of even broadens out to people who are fans, kind of proselytizing wrestling. Like I definitely put over how much I love wrestling all the day, all the time, constantly. It's the only thing I almost talk about. I'm kind of probably annoying, but it's like I am. <laughs> going around prophetizing the greatness that is professional wrestling. Please, all hail grappling. You should really yeah. start knocking on doors, Jeremy. Yeah. Would you, can you, <laughs> would you like to talk about our Lord and Savior, Ric Flair? <laughs> Woo? <laughs> Love it. Woo with me, my child. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I think, I think it's definitely like something that's come back around and it's, and, I, I think it's such a, as as many other things are, but I think it is such a kind of litmus test of the culture at the time too, where, you know, I think you could read the history of of the nation by by reading, by watching wrestling. A lot of times, you know, is it the art imitating life or is it the life imitating art? Because especially within wrestling, it's week to week. I mean, they got to stay on topic and on point and stay relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, I think there's kind of there's a wealth of information there, and information you can kind of pick up and learn about a society from. Um, but, but yeah, so yeah, I think that's definitely kind of that come back around to it is is. Definitely another thing I think about quite quite often is that kind of you lost it and then you came back. And some fortunate people, or I consider them fortunate, never got never had to lose it. Yeah. And um, and then you know, there's a lot of years that that I missed. Um, and it was shortly after that WCW fall, I would imagine. Um. But because I, I mean, before that it was epic. So I'm I'm actually kind of interested to see what happens with like All Elite and WWE and what if that's even gonna be like a head to head type thing. I mean, it's probably the closest thing since, yeah. honestly. And I think that's why a lot of people yeah. are so excited. But yeah, it's crazy to think like how many people because that you know because even when like WCW was in its dying days. In like ninety nine, two thousand, like especially ninety nine, it was still enormous. Um, you know, kind of that too too big to to fail type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, two thousand, and then boom, um, two thousand one. But it's like you still had a it, more people than watch Raw now were watching Nitro then, <laughs> and then it just ceased to exist. And this was like people, a lot of people were like, I would never watch that WWF crap. I only watch WCW. So it's almost like you've just erased like half of the United States wrestling fans. And then a lot of them just never came back. Like as much as like TNA tried to bring them back or who knows what's going to happen now with Elite. But just nuts to think for so many people that was such a big part of their life. And then it's just gone. And then they're just out of it. Yeah, it's... It's definitely, it's interesting, and I've never, I mean, I had friends that kind of did the same too, kind of dropped out around the same time, um, but when you, you, kids are funny like that, though, because they can, they can just be like, oh, I'm done with that. Yeah, like fad culture. 
Yeah, like there was. Um, I remember I was really into ice hockey growing up, and then yeah, it's like it died completely to me. I won't even watch the Stanley yeah. Cup anymore. Yeah, and like I did these. Or I'm still what? doing. It. Hang on, hang on. I'm trying to. You were into ice hockey. Well, Mighty Ducks was a very important part of my life, <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> It all makes sense now. You're just a big fan of guys named Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Knuckle yeah. puck. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, cake eater. <laughs> that's a that's a deep cut Mighty Duck line if you watch the movie. <laughs> Mad love for that movie. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Even Mighty Ducks. blew me away. The dude from Australia is in the ice hockey. <laughs> ice hockey. I only did roller <laughs> hockey myself. With my friends, because it was quite hard to find a ice rink down in uh, Little River, Victoria, yeah. Australia. Imagine <laughs> so. <laughs> but yeah, to go back to the main well, subject matter from that yeah, sidetrack. I was, I was working on this. I'm, I'm, I want 13 of them eventually, but I'm working on these kind of like little altar pieces. Or they're actually kind of large, but and I have a few of them up. But they're kind of they're wooden, framed in black, and they're they're wooden etchings essentially. They're laser etched. And then I cool. I would take little um little wrestling figurines and spray paint them a gloss black, and they'd almost they almost look and they kind of sit on the frames wrestling each other and stuff. Um, kind of like adornment for the frames. That's um, cool. And. You know, so I, you know, I think the first one I was like, oh, I need four of these. So I just went to Walmart and bought them. And then it's like, oh, these are expensive. It's like, I, I want to use more of these. I need to find another resource. So I got on like garage sale or something and found a guy who was selling like a tub of them for like, I think it was like 70 wrestlers for like 200 bucks and two rings and, light up elimination chamber entrance and it's a whole bunch of stuff seven different belts and you know enough to wear two hundred dollars was like oh, it's not actually a bad deal if you add up that each wrestler is fifteen dollars um, yeah. <laughs> so i went and met with him i was like what are you getting rid of all this for and he was like my son just came home last week and said that he won't he liked soccer and he didn't like wrestling it's <laughs> <laughs> the same deal and his son was like I guess probably seven or eight and he was like yep he's into soccer now he's done with wrestling and then my daughter who's six so she's two years younger than the son once she heard that he wasn't into wrestling she's not into wrestling so that's how I got so now you have uh, think about like fi 15 other characters or the figurines were like female wrestlers um which i didn't know this but he told me he was like yeah the, i didn't really mind getting rid of the guys but the females like you have to hunt them down and they cost more wow <laughs> which i didn't know man that's but, interesting yeah apparently they i get i could i could i could see wwe making less of them thinking that they won't sell as well so i could believe that you would have to hunt them down but 
But, What's uh, going on? <laughs> uh, we occasionally run into music that I've put into previous podcasts nice. that jump okay. in. <laughs> it doesn't make it really into the actual final uh, final cut. It just ends up in our ear. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we should probably not sell it and put it over. And yeah, it's going yeah, on, just right? no sell it. Oh, okay, let's continue. They might hear a hint of it. I don't know. But yeah, uh, but I, I just not, I'd not known that, and that the, the female figurines cost more, and they're harder to find. But it was like, like you were saying, like, like I came home, didn't like wrestling anymore. <laughs> Man, speaking yeah. of those, yeah, um, Dad, the kids at school says Marks don't get no pussy, but if you play soccer, you're gonna get all the ass in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Oh man, so good, so good. <clears throat> and said, "Let's go watch Avengers." <laughs> Dude, uh, have you, uh, you you mentioned like the these like figurines in in the altar kind of uh, setup? Have you seen like the mm-hmm. the Mexican? Um, I've I've seen them in a few of the art exhibitions I've been to, like uh, Mexican art. Uh, where they, it's almost like a, a diorama, and and this is kind of like a thing in uh, in in Mexican religious culture where they have almost like a, a tribute altar type of thing, and they've got flowers and uh, you know, Jesus yeah. and things like that. But there's some really cool ones I've I've seen in some exhibitions lately that are like Mexican wrestling versions I, I, of that. I have to look, oh, there's a there's a specific term for that. I can't yeah. remember what it is. But like I know exactly what you're talking about, where you're kind of paying tribute in a sense, or like praying over someone or to someone who's mm. who's past, like an altar of remembrance. So it, they're they're similar in nature. Um, yeah, I yeah, definitely had it explained to me at the the art exhibition, but it's escaped me. But I I just thought it was so um, interesting and, and similar along the lines of this uh, discussion. And, and they actually use, like, wrestling figures, like little Mexican Lucha Libre wrestling figures uh, for it as well. Um, but, yeah, I just thought it was, like, sort of interesting with regard to the, the, the current conversation. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen any of the ones that, have, like, you're talking about necessarily, but I have seen those, like, altar pieces um, even within the area. Um I went to a Catholic art school uh, for to get my master's degree, and uh, that so and I'm not Catholic. Um, I just got a scholarship there, so I went. Um, and that was kind of one of the first big introductions to like that uh, the idea of like the grandeur that religion can be, um, of like oh you need all this stuff to do it. And do it right um which i feel like that you kind of get a lot of that within wrestling too like you don't you can't just i mean you can just be a fan but everyone's gonna say you're just kind of a passive fan <laughs> <laughs> like you need shirts and figures and almost of- like in in putting together like putting on a wrestling show as well because i've got friends that do that and the idea that it's it's not legit like this professional wrestling unless it's got like a multi-billion dollar production budget behind it and pyro and lighting rigs and lasers and all that kind of shit like (laughs) the idea that independent wrestling somehow isn't 
as as legitimate because it doesn't have the stuff. You're gonna want that yeah. fog machine. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody smoking a cigarette right by the edge. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> they come out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but there is a lot of stuff, and I mean, I guess that's what. I mean, I don't, I don't like. I've heard, and I don't know. I don't know about wrestling, but I have heard with Star Wars, like in the '80s and stuff. Like, it wasn't the movies that made the money; it was the merch. Oh yeah, same with a lot of those like, like '80s cartoons, where like, the actual yeah. TV show itself didn't make the money, but then like the amount of Ninja Turtles friggin' yeah. <laughs> figures that they sold. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I think, and that's another parallel that I think about often too. Is like, well, you got to have all this stuff to prove you're a legitimate fan to a degree, which is fine. I mean, people need stuff. Hmm. People so, like stuff. stuff. We live in a consumerist culture. Yeah. I mean, you can't, well, I guess you could, but you can't hurt anyone with most wrestling merch. So it's a good thing to have compared to a Switchblade. <laughs> I do have a, a miniature <laughs> miniature baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire that I purchased at an FMW show once. So that could probably do some damage. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I got a needed to sign it, actually. That would have been cool. Anyway. Uh, um, Jackson, I, I wanted to touch on like your, your day-to-day process. Cause I always find this really interesting talking talking to other artists, both yeah. the similarities that I find from it. And then like the people that are just way more organized than me and can like uh-huh. just map out the day and, and do exactly what they thought they were going to do. Uh, yeah. tell me about like your, your normal day, uh, you know, on a day that you get to, to dedicate it to your art or however that, that looks for you. Yeah. So, um, I was glad you asked this because I remember you asked uh, Eric that too and the talk with him. Um, Like, so typically I get up four four thirty, 4.30, which I've had some conversations with you at that time. Yeah. Um, And then... then, Probably a lot better time time zone-wise for me, but... (laughs) Um, so, and no, it wasn't like, I wasn't sorry, but I wasn't waking up just to talk to you. Oh, I, you know, crushed. <laughs> I, get, I get up at four or four thirty, take the dog out, make some coffee and, and come inside and draw until, um, I, depending on what I'm working on, I'll either draw or paint. If it's something wet media, then I'll paint because I can do that at home easily. I can't do that. Do you find you have to do a bit of drawing before you warm yourself up to like the actual painting or if it's more of a, a important work kind of thing or you just can go straight away i can typically go straight away there's certain things that i'll like for the pen work that you were talking about they look more like etchings mm. um like i'll i have some generalized pencil line work down so it's not just straight pen like if i was i'd probably need to wake up if i was going like just straight on blank paper yeah. But I'll do some reference lines and whatnot to kind of show me where I'm at. Um, so I don't, no, I don't necessarily do like warm ups at that early in the day because it's all about time and yeah. trying to get time to work. Gotcha. So um, get up, take the dog out, draw. I'll usually draw till about 
like 6 a.m. So then we're, so that's a two hours to an hour and a half, depending on when I wake up at four or 4.30. And then, then I go into the back room of my house and I do yoga for two hours. Um, which Damn. I, yeah, two hours. Doing, I got to know a bit of yeah. yoga and was happy with myself when I do half an hour of yoga. <laughs> two hours. Yeah. It's a different. It's a different kind of practice than most people have experienced if they've been to like a yoga studio, yeah. um, or even watched like a DVD. It's a. It's called, and I won't go too deep into it since we're tracking the day. It's called Ashtanga Yoga, and it's, it's like a set series of postures that you memorize and go through. So it's almost more like calisthenics, right? Um, and, and you, and there's five different you know, two hour sessions and they get progressively harder. And so when you first start or you begin doing it, you do that first session every day of the week, Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, depending on where the moon, what the phase the moon's in. But uh, <laughs> I can tell you about that if you ask later too. Um, <laughs> But and then it, it, once you can kind of do the first one, then you can move to the second one. And then on Monday and Tuesday, you do the first and second and then you just kind of alternate. And then eventually, if you do it long enough, then you'll be able to get through to do all five. So you actually are doing different ones every day. So anyway, two hours of yoga. And then so the, by then it's about eight. My daughter's up. Um, everyone's awake. So. Get up done with that the yoga um depending on what my work schedule is some days i'll um have my daughter in the morning my wife will go to work other days i'll go straight to work um i teach drawing and painting at a college here in south texas um then typically with that you know I, i go teach and then i I'll take my work with me. I have like a big drawing pad. I'd say it's like two, two feet, about two and a half, three feet, maybe. Um, I'll, I'll bring a piece with me if it's not wet media. Mm-hmm. And it's like something I could just like put out and pop in and out on. Um, cause in studio, it, it, cause the studio of drawing classes and painting class, that's, it's three hours. So, I mean, yeah. You're going to have some downtime there. Yeah. It's, and it's, and so you're telling someone to like, okay, this is how you'll, for instance, blend a sky that looks like a sunset. Like it's going to take, it's going to take a little while for you to show them, but it's going to take longer for them to do it. So there is some downtime that you can kind of pop in and out on a drawing. Um, then, you know, work until work's done and then go home. Daughter goes to bed 730 Usually during the week, I'll draw some more um, till about nine or ten, and then you know shoot the shit with the wife, talk to her about whatever happened during the day. I mean, we eat in there too, but <laughs> <laughs> at some it point, didn't sound like it. <laughs> but um, then you know jump on Instagram, look around, see what the world's up to. Um, and then kind of just go again. Um, just do it the next day. Wow. Um, and that's, that's kind of how it rolls. I mean, there's not, 
like it's 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 so weird because like i really after my daughter's only one so she's almost she's about to turn two but it's like what i never drew this intently when or intensely when she before she was born like because i just always felt like i had the time yeah um, i get that and then when and then when you don't all of a sudden it's like now you start to judge things it's like oh well do i really want to play like am i gonna play like red dead redemption or am i gonna draw and it's like well i'm gonna draw yeah because you got to make that time yeah and it's like well am i gonna watch wrestling or am i gonna draw it's like, well i'm gonna draw and i'll you know every now and then i'll put something on in the background but it's i mean it's like you said it's a it's four in the morning when I get a lot of the stuff done, and it's like it's enough for me to be able to do it without doing warm ups, like you said. Mm. <laughs> so I can't be like, can't necessarily have the TV on to distract me while I'm trying to like actually get something down pat. Um, I mean, I can't yeah. even have wrestling on in the background because I'll like I'll get too distracted by it, and I'll like actually like I can't watch a, a wrestling match without actually completely you know giving all my attention to it. Yeah. So I and get I, that. Yeah, and like when I was when I was in school, I used to constantly have like, I it was I'm not sure. if the network was on, it wasn't very big at the moment. Like it didn't have a lot, so I didn't have it. But I had like tons of DVDs because that was when all the blockbusters were closing. <laughs> nice. Because Netflix was getting big, and you could go buy like DVDs and all this stuff for like. You know, pennies on the dollar. Oh yeah, I dude! Have, I have so many wrestling DVDs from that. Like, just going to those blockbusters. Yeah. That, was and, a, that was a good time to be a fan of home video and yeah. DVD. Um, dude, I used to get all my wrestling uh, from fucking Suncoast. What uh, is Suncoast videos? I haven't like even this, heard uh, of that. It was in the states, probably, Chris. Oh, um, I'm was, shocked. Like, videos. It was almost, <laughs> no, uh, it was almost like a video store, but they also had other mixed media of like posters, essentially, yeah, yeah. like a pop culture store, Collectibles but with a focus and stuff. on DVDs and and VHS tapes. Yeah. But yeah, they would always have like CZW stuff. That's where I first Whoa. heard of Ring of Honor. Yeah, that's insane. I cannot even imagine a video rental store uh, in Australia having XPW and CZW. I thought it was pretty awesome I mean, was when like I got some ECW there. It was like a place where you went to actually buy it, not a rental place. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, like, in grad school, I could, I would like watch. It was pretty much steady. Like I would watch the X Files and wrestling dvds but those are both things that i had seen yeah oh like previously so i kind of my mind knew when to look up when a good part was going to happen so it was like background noise but not distracting um yeah but that's kind of what the typical day looks like it's just Dude, that's that's crazy that makes me feel terrible about myself and my own <laughs> output and, ah. and how uh how well organized i am i'm so impressed man but i totally get it as well what you're saying like when when you don't have something to push you and you feel like hey i've got this whole day to do whatever you're not going to be as productive as you are when you know this is my window this is when i have to get this shit done yeah and it's it's weird because it's it's one of those things that like only 
Well, I'm sure there's other types of professions and hobbies and enthusiasts to compare it to, but I only know of artists that feel this way, but it's like, cause a lot of like the artists that I communicate with and, and yourselves also just from what I gather, like, it's not like you're constantly working on commission either. Now, sometimes I mean, it'd be, you are. be good if you could be, I guess that's a goal yeah. in a way. But, I mean, that would suck as well because, you know, you, yeah. your playtime is like the, the fun time. When you're doing a commission, yeah. to me, it's like that's the, the work time. Oh, yeah. So so then comes in the question of, like, well, who are you even why, – why, why are you waking up to work on – like, who are you working on this for? And it's yeah. like, well, I guess it's me. But so – That it's, sounds nice. And it's not, it's not work. It's, I mean, it's fun. Yeah, and need to. It's it's such a interesting medium to draw or paint or create that you know you you see something in your head and then you make it real. Yeah, and then and that's awesome. Yeah, there's um, something really just special about that in and of itself. Like I think that's yeah. fantastic. And I, and there is, you know, much like we were talking about early in the podcast too, like you. You can hear us talk about an image, and but you're not going to be able to figure. You're not going to fully understand it until you actually see it. And I think that goes the same thing for artists as they're creating an image. Like there be no, you need to got you got to make it so you can actually see it. Yeah. Other than just kind of in your head. Yeah, because like in the um, mind's eye, it can be because it'll change different. through the process and change as it goes. Um, exactly. As you're as you're in that creation process so there is that that internal artistic drive of like well this has to get done because people need to see that andre the giant's head has been split into three pieces and (laughs) he's standing in a rainforest well how are they gonna know what mark henry is it's something that isn't in the world and i'm gonna put it in the world love it i feel kind of with my stupid fucking puns like Ravishing Rick Moranis will come to my head, and I'll have to say, "Well, that has to be done. I have to get it out of my head and stop thinking about it." So I'll create it. Some of them can get get dumber, like I did uh, Lawn Strowman, where it's Lawn Strowman made out of the grass, and it's like eventually, it's, I just have to do this. I keep on thinking about this stupid pun, Lawn Strowman, and the only time it'll go away if I actually create it. Yeah, my favorite so ones, the that. most ridiculous. Yeah. Get, like I, there's one I did pretty recently, which is not it wasn't even a pun at all. It was just I took different pieces of Triple H's head and cut them off, and then reshaped them and warped them around, and then put it back on his body, and then gave his suit three ties to make it look really weird. And I, I literally posted with, I have no idea why I made this, and it got so much traction. I thought it would be buried <laughs> instantly. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with people? This isn't good at all. <laughs> I love it when that happens funny sometimes yeah, yeah. like what your expectations are a bit different to to how it's received it's great uh anyway uh, jeremy i, I want to uh fucking jeremy jackson um i'm all over yeah. the place guys fuck me yeah, but jackson, <laughs> jackson yeah. i wanted to make sure um we're, we're getting a little bit longer in the tooth with this i could i could keep on talking to you for like hours uh-huh. hey like I'm, I'm loving this chat um we, i'd love to have you on a, again um sometime down the road um, sure. but for now I, I wanted to, to specifically finish 
on um, your, your your current kind of project that you're, you're working through on uh, on your, your Instagram that you told me a little yeah, bit so, about. Yeah, I've shared a little bit with you. Um, the hype is much more than the actual project. But <laughs> I mean, isn't it always? Um, so um, it's called, uh, what I've labeled it is Turnbuckle Profits Replay. Um, I've, I've used the term turnbuckle profits kind of just for any of my drawings related to wrestlers and religion. Um, but I've had, I have so many like ideas around that, that they're, that either I can't figure out how to make them work visually or, I don't have the time or something else happens that I'm more attracted to artistically that, that I feel like these ideas need to get out and, and portrayed somehow, but not necessarily um, do I have the time to necessarily work all the way through it. So, um, so I'm kind of backtracking through history, um, the Bible, um, art history as well. And I'm kind of, they're almost like mini history lessons in regards to um, art history, religion, and culture uh, through the lens of of wrestling. So, like an example would be we, and it's it's very similar to what I'm doing with my artwork. Um, um, an example would be like you take the story of Jacob wrestling the angel, I think, on his way back to Damascus, but I'm not positive on that one. Um, and you know, the Bible, that's all it says in the Bible. He wrestled the angel, the, he's essentially trying to get a blessing from the angel. The angel touches his hip. And to this day, that's why Jewish people don't eat the hip of lamb. Um, because that's where the angel touched and injured Jacob. Um, but you know, you can take that story and then add the context of, of what a match would be like within that. Jacob and the angels. Man. Yeah. So, so I'm kind of, so like, that's an example where you can, you can take that one word wrestling and then start to stretch it and kind of explain that story, but with more of a focus on wrestling or towards a wrestling fan. Um, and then, and there's, I think that's, a, there's a few different, there's three pieces for that where I've kind of backtracked art history found a i think that one it's a rembrandt there's a rembrandt painting for that so it's all art that i didn't make <laughs> that has withstood the test of time that i'm referring to for the imagery or for the you know quote-unquote replay and then there's a little uh segment of kind of kind of explaining how this artwork is relevant what it's depicting and how it relates back to wrestling another one and some get further off some aren't necessarily having anything to do with religion like there's a i can't remember who painted it at the moment let's see there we go it's a vince vincenzo Camuscini, he's Italian. Um, but there's a painting of all the guys stabbing Caesar at his death, as we know, the Etu Brute um, story. And 
you know, you could, you can talk about that idea of betrayal and, and, but within the context of how I'm speaking about it, you know, it can be, it, it's, it's been come to known as the, um, Pompeii theater screw job, which any wrestling fan kind of, kind of like, Oh, okay. Now I understand. Like, so, so it's kind of a study of different, different pieces and, and how they relate a little bit of art history, but also how they relate back to wrestling. Like there's a, and this is the last one I'll tell you about not to take too much more time, but there's this, so most people have seen American Gothic. Um, it's, uh, two, uh, it's a balder, bald gentleman with a pitchfork and a lady standing in front of a house. Iconic um, image. Yes, yes. Iconic image. But there's this other image that, actually has the two people standing next to the painting so the models for the painting oh okay really and so it, that was painted by grant wood and uh the models were his dentist and his sister most people think the model like when you look at the image they either think it's like father and daughter or husband and wife yeah um typically so i always thought uh, dentist and sister i'll tell you that much yes yeah. No. <laughs> I'm looking at this image, the models one, yeah. right now. It's nuts. Yeah, so, so essentially, like, so what you're doing, what with what is happening in that image is they're breaking kayfabe. Yeah. What the like, hell? They're not a so, farmer and his wife? They've been lied yeah. to. So, so it's kind of, it's a 25-piece series. I'm, I'm hoping to do more, but I, I completed 25 awesome. of them. That'll be kind of the first season. But it's kind of looking at culture art history religion as well and you know but all based within the realm of of you know artworks that i think most people have seen before or digested before and kind of working that into a context that a wrestling fan can understand and appreciate um because as i as i said earlier i think wrestling you could tell the history of of a culture just through the wrestling there uh consuming 100 percent, man um, i so, love that so and i i highly recommend everyone tune in to this as well like even if like you're a bit more on the fringe side of the the art stuff necessarily like i find it incredibly interesting and i, I think a lot of people listening would as well if they've listened this far <laughs> i'm sure they would <laughs> uh so make sure you stay tuned to uh, Jedi Jack Yeti uh, on the Instagram to see that. Is there anywhere else that you really recommend people to, to stay tuned at through this specific project or uh, where do you see it going? Just Instagram. Um, I don't, I'm, I've played with the idea of possibly making it a page into itself, but I, there's no proof that it needs to be that yet. So, um, but I'll probably just for now keep it on my page, and it's you know it's it's just two two of my passions. It's how I view both of them and how they relate to one another um, to me, and because a lot of it is stuff that I've already that I already see when I look at things. It's like oh that that wrestling's like this art or that art's like this wrestling. Um, but I know and I know not everyone necessarily sees it that way. But I think there's certain things that I've you know, wouldn't mind calling it, calling a little more attention to, so help people to kind of get it and understand my work a little better by showing kind of my thought process as I'm, as I look at these things. 
Nice. I I, I love it, man. And again, I I just wanted to put you over in in so far as there's a you know fair whack of wrestling art stuff out there these days, which is wonderful. Like I'm I'm all about this this wonderful subgenre that we've got of, of wrestling art, and it's like we're saying, it's more so more than just fan art in inverted commas. It, it's like it's its own thing, you know, similar to to the you know, phenomenon that, that lowbrow art has, has gotten mm-hmm. in and of itself. So I, I think it's a great thing that's going, but I, I love the like people like you that, that have such a, a specific niche within that that's all just onto yourself, you know. It's so uh, different, so distinct, and uh, I always love artists to where there's, there's just a, a distinct visual uh, style both you know through the subject matter and also the the unique style that that you're doing it with. Um, so yeah, man, love your stuff and and again, highly recommend everyone uh, check you out at Jedi Jack Yeti on Instagram. In closing, can I ask what what why you have that name on Instagram? <laughs> where that came from? Oh, uh, that was uh, the, back when my sister convinced me that it was like you should do Instagram even though you don't do social media. And uh, I was like, huh, I guess I should. I'll think of things that I like, and I like Jedis, and I like Yetis. And, uh, Me too. But, yeah. I stand here. <laughs> That's all my I, old nickname is Big Jackson. And then, so, and then by the time it was like, oh, maybe I should like actually change that to like my name or something, then it was kind too of late. shit. Yeah, it's been like three or four years that I've been going by Jedi Jack Yeti. And so I guess I'll just stay Jedi Jack Yeti, even though it's... Jackson, I'm not Jeremy anymore. No one has called me that. Like, I I had to start turning around when somebody yells the word beak at me. Yeah, Yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, I worked on... on I worked on a little zine with the guy and we and i think i don't know i don't think he we knew each other's i knew his name but i don't think he knew my name till like we were almost done it was like, it was like, so like jack, jack yeti <laughs> cool jedi jack yeti yeah so so yeah it's it's, I like it's it. good i'm yeah, happy that we have that insight i feel like yes. we know more about you because of it yeah. <laughs> just, just, the, just. It, it, you thought he just picked the words randomly and threw together. Doesn't yeah. like Jedi. Doesn't care for Yeti. Just looks cool. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure, and I've, you know, once, I don't know, maybe once some of these, the little twenty-five piece series gets done, we can mm. come back to see if it caught any traction or what interesting things were said <laughs> for sure 100 percent, man i've, I've uh, loved this chat and um i found it really interesting like we get to speak to kind of about stuff here that uh, we, we probably don't uh, get to otherwise especially with the yeah anyway thank I, you so I, much i normally would scoff when it'd be like a conversation going into like religious basis but honestly that was refreshing to be good. Completely. Yeah. Glad because that's where that's the 
that's territory I don't want to be in. <laughs> oh, I'm just, yeah. yeah. I get you on the podcast like, oh, let's Dewey. No joke. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm a big fan of your work. We're so glad we could finally get you on. And I honestly, I think the conversation is going to be really intriguing to people who like wrestling and art. And I even tweeted out recently that we're going to be discussing religion and there's already been some good reactions. So I oh, thank cool. you very much, man. Excellent. Well, thank y'all. I'm sure we'll be talking on the gram soon anyway, but uh, it was actually real. great to talk live and real. Yeah, yeah man, for sure. If I uh, in, in find myself in, in Houston, I'll definitely be uh, be hitting you up right. on, on one of my future trips. Anyone else, let me know if you're around. I'll be for, here. For real. Thanks, man. <laughs> thanks All so right, much. It was my pleasure. See you, brother. <laughs> Cheers, dude. All right. Very nice. That was awesome. So good. Um, all right, I'll 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 hang up the call, and then Jeremy and I will finish up the show and close it down. Woo! Woo! Yeah, hello. Hey. All right. Let's... I'm not really sure why you had... did you have to hang up because he already hung up on us. Oh well, I didn't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So yeah, great, that was great, great. An awesome chat. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Oh great! I feel enlightened. I, uh, yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, once he started going into his like, okay, yeah, I do see the corollaries. Holy crap! These are striking when you actually take time to take normally you like scoff like, what a fucking ridiculous assumption wrestling and religion but really it, it's all there yeah i mean you get the same thing with a lot of artwork right where you like you can take it on face value but then when you find out a little bit more about it it just becomes so much more interesting and i'm, I'm definitely going to be looking at a lot of his stuff that he releases in the future in a, a different way i think oh a hundred percent dude like he pointed out the one uh, about Paul Bear and the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, when he first put that up and he showed me, I was like, this is one of the most striking images I've ever seen and so unique. It looks like he's like those little scripto pens, you know what I mean? Like the really, really fine tip markers. I, You guys make me – I wish I didn't have an ADHD so I could actually sit down and do some artwork. <laughs> I look at <laughs> I, his stuff myself, man, and just like the, the detail – um that you know it comes with him him being a, an art teacher and like how long he's, he's been at it and and the amount of time that he, he puts into it it's just like that that attention to to detail and, and crispness and just like the workmanship in it is is something that i look at and uh and get a get a bloody boner for <laughs> and then actually the man himself is so interesting like you you see a guy like we were just talking about his handle on instagram is jenna jackie like what is this guy gonna be like especially with the artwork he does if you start speaking to the man like wow what an introspective and interesting dude yeah yeah i love learning learning about people you know i did not would not have assumed he was a guy that does two hours yoga a day you know no we're totally stroking his cock after he's off the podcast. <laughs> hopefully, doubt he'll listen to this one because he's been on it the whole time. But if you do, yeah, Jackson, you're fucking badass, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell him to skip to the end so he can get more verbal jerk-offs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All We're right. This show is going to be 
a long one. I was hoping it wasn't going to happen last after the last episode, but you know we have uh, been away an extra day, so that's what you get, motherfucker. Well, hey, we also met somebody who could possibly be a little bit more long-winded than yourself, but <laughs> it was totally all good, interesting chat, as with you as well, sir. But, oh, thank you, yeah. thank you. Yeah, it, it's going <laughs> to so be longer as well because right about now we're going to cut to my uh, live thoughts from two weeks ago with a friend of the show, my cousin Ben, on the ah. World Series Wrestling International Assault Tour. So throwing well, it over that. to you, past Chris. Let's go. Okay, so uh, the World Series Wrestling International Assault Tour done and dusted. Uh, we, I'm, I'm here with friend of the show, my cousin Ben. He has been mentioned multiple times on this show before, so it's good to have him filing on. How's it going, Ben? Not too bad, Christopher. No? It has been a, an interesting time. Mm. So we're here to talk about the shows, give our live perspective. I came down to beautiful Melbourne, Australia for these uh, these shows in addition to Underworld Wrestling. Uh, and yeah, it was... It's pretty good. What'd you think? Yeah, it was reasonably good. I saw some things I truly say I never want to see again in my life. Oh, so it's quite quite a strong reaction. What what is what is this thing that's mentally scarred you? Joe Ryan versus Gino Gambino. Oh, so you're yeah. a bit of a big fan of Gino Gambino, generally speaking, oh, right? I love Gino. <laughs> I love him more if I never saw him again in my life. Oh, ouch! He has his moments of comedy. But he also provided one of the most scarring things I've seen in a long time. So what was this? Please describe for our listeners so at home. Joey and how he loves his lollipops. Mm-hmm. We love the Joey Ryan blow pops so on this show. We yeah. do we do love his blow. They're quite entertaining. Mm-hmm. But he took it to a new level last night. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the match he takes out his lovely lollipop from you know where. Mm-hmm. From his, pre- his his trunks. His, yeah. his trunks. He proceeds to Shove it up Gino's ass. So Gino Gambino, for those playing at home, has a bit of a spot where he, he pulls down the, the trunks, revealed his quite rotund uh, rear end. Yes. Uh, and he, he does a bit of a rikishi kind of a, you know, stink face kind of deal. Uh, but Joey had the, the perfect uh, counter to this manoeuvre, got the lollipop out, and when Gino was ready to put his... his ample rump in Joey's face, he proceeded to stick the lollipop up um, Gambino's asshole. Then for the next uh, <laughs> 30 or 40 seconds, only a minute, we proceeded to watch the referee try and remove this lollipop. It was really lodged up there from, quite firmly. From Gino's ass, and seeing Gino's ass, you could understand why he was having a bit of trouble. Yeah. It yep. seemed to get stuck right up there. Yeah. After we managed to... Finally got it out. Finally got it out. Finally removed it. Mm-hmm. Then Joey managed to retrieve it from the referee's hands and proceeded to stick it in Gino's mouth after yeah. he tussled him to the ground. Yep, and Gino and then promptly tapped out. tapped out, as you would. I wouldn't <laughs> want a Gino asshole lollipop in my mouth. I'd give up as well. But you thought it had gone as far as it could possibly go. Yeah, yeah. But the gen- then Joey inter- asked the crowd, because, I mean, you know how uh, Joey Ryan comes out? He yeah. does his entrance. He, he says to everybody, he gets his lollipop out. Who wants yeah, this lollipop? lollipop? And there's always a bunch of, of yeah. weird, weird scumbag things. dudes 
who were like, yeah, I fucking want that lollipop in my mouth. And uh, yeah, it, but so they did that before the, the match, match, but then post-match, it's like, so who wants this lollipop? To which all of those dudes that before were like quite excited about it were like, no, no, no. So the place was so quiet. But there was one chick who not only mm. stood up, then he almost said, are you sure you want this? <laughs> and She's she like, proceeded yeah. to jump up for joy and open up and let it in. Yep, and then Joe Ryan came so... over and stuck the Gambino asshole lollipop in her mouth. But it wasn't one suck. She kept it in there until there was no lollipop left. <laughs> That's like, I just couldn't believe what I was saying. <laughs> the crowd like, reaction to this was pretty amazing. She wanted that extra bit of topping on it or something. I don't know what she was thinking. <laughs> or the guy that was with her. Yeah. Yeah. How, well, how's that from his perspective? You bring, yeah. like, I don't know if it's like his girlfriend or just like a, a date to the show. Um, and then uh, she proceeds yeah. to, to stuff I, the asshole yeah. lollipops. Like, I, I don't know if I want to stay with this woman. I can't say I'd ever look at her the same way. It's like. Or would it be a respect this, thing? Would you be like, you know what, this... This chick's up for some crazy shit, but mm. it's crazy and I'm probably willing to go. <laughs> she was... Yeah, certainly yeah. something else. So other than that, was, was that the main scarring thing? Was there anything yeah. else that you were particularly perturbed by? That, that's the only thing that probably is possibly scar, scarred me. But on the whole, I actually quite enjoyed the matches. Yeah. There's even a couple of chicks matches I actually I didn't mind. Yeah, yeah. That's On like, uh, night two, mm. I actually thought uh, Indy Hartwell mm. and Jordan Grace yeah. was perfectly yeah. good women's match. Perfectly it, fine. It, it, there was nothing wrong with it. I wouldn't say there wasn't anything great with it, but it was just a, a reasonably good match. The night prior, we got... Because um, we saw the, the best and worst yeah. of Indy. She's... Yeah, because the night yes. prior she was working Kellyanne Salter, right? Yeah, I don't know what's her but yeah, Kellyanne was definitely her first name. Yeah, yeah. and so Kellyanne and Indy Hartwell, mm. and what did you think of that one? It was. It seemed like it was just a whole lot of sequences they'd figured out they wanted to do mm. and proceeded to just go, one, Kellyanne would do her sequence, then Indy would try and do something. Mm. It just seemed to go from sequence to sequence. It just didn't seem to flow. It just seemed to be... Yeah. Just like they were ticking off a list of things, ten things we must do in the smack before we finish it. I think a lot of American and or Australian women's wrestling can be a bit like that, like a bit of a lack of fundamentals, mm. I guess. But, yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. People are way yeah. fucking into Kellyanne for whatever reason. Oh, Especially that creepy fucking guy at the side <laughs> of the room. There was a, a creepy old man in the. He was yeah, like just right on yeah. the edge of the thing, and and he was all about Kelly yeah. Ann, hey. He, I think he even had the ballroom going or something. He was uh had the big iPad there, fucking right on the ring corner, just yeah. It seemed like he could have been next to his daughter. Yeah. So it just looked fucking creepy. And Kelly Ann would do her thing. He yeah, particularly just... overjoyed. There was a, a moment where he did like this weird fucking tongue wiggle yeah like oh like he was pretending to get intimate <laughs> with her it was like yeah that like was a, that was like a that fi- scarred me yeah you're like you're a 50 year old man mm, mm. the, the okay. people that come out to fern tree gully for you, a wrestling yeah, show you get all sorts 
Yeah, I wanted to point out specifically, I, I make sure to complain about things on the show quite a bit. Uh, but the so this show, I didn't know how far out of Melbourne it was. It's advertised on the on the docket as Melbourne. Yeah. Right. And then we, I see it's it's Fern Tree Gully, and this I didn't know how far Fern Tree Gully was from Melbourne. But if I was going to catch a train there from Melbourne, it was going to be a fucking hour and a half. And that was to get to a train station, not actually to the venue, which you probably would have had to catch an Uber. Because yeah. there's probably no public transport to this venue. So we ended up, thankfully, getting Ben's work car and driving from his house. Still took us like 45 minutes from uh, Cheltenham, lovely Cheltenham, uh, Melbourne. Uh, but yeah, so we get there, and then it was a bit of a, a weird kind of like, what is this? Like, it, it looked like sort of a group of shops. Yeah. Like It just seemed like one of those little type... Like there's a hardware store, there's like a gym. Yeah, that makes up your like your little like town of shops. Yeah. You have your Aussie disposal, you have your gym, you have your hardware. Although it didn't really have any food, which was Yeah, yeah, could have done with some food. But anyway, so we we get through the car park and then we're like, is this even the right place? And then it's like tucked in the corner. Because as usual, we were rocking up as it was supposed to be starting. It is our thing. We had like a good two minutes. Like, buffer. Yeah. I thought we did pretty well. If we're making the first match, we're doing really well with ourselves. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Nine times out of ten, if you're that first match, we will not make it. <laughs> Which, luckily, we did actually make the first match because it was quite a good tag. Yeah, yeah, the first match the on the, the fucking night. show was Flamita and Bandito, Bandito. against yes, SCU. SCU. Yeah, fuck, Which, if we had missed that, I would have been quite salty. Um, that was really in, in the one the top couple of matches all the two shows. Mm-hmm. It had everything. Yeah, it was a great match. It had your, your classic SCU entrance. Yep. Which... Most over theme music. Oh, fucking love that. And even when they just popped it off when you see on the second night, they've actually got their own t- uh, T-shirts they've actually personally made up for Australia. Yeah, so what's their, what's their catchphrase? The This is the it's worst town the, I've ever been no, this to. This is the worst effing town, isn't it? I think it's just worth town. So, I don't think they go too dirty with it. No, that was just with uh, Brian Cage, Evan Machine. That's yeah, it. That's yeah. That's what uh, But, it yeah, they cool. had, like, the Australian flag, like, inset yeah. in the, the text yeah. of the shirt. I yeah. was quite impressed by the effort that they went to for this. But, yeah, it was a good yeah. match. Like, it was it was not too long. Mm. It was probably, like, what, 12, 15? Yeah, that's what I thought about 15 minutes, isn't it? They seemed on both nights, they were probably the top. They gave those... Four guys. Just so polished. Teams. Like, you watch you the you rest of the guys on the card, and then you watch, like, SCU, mm. or, like, uh, Flamita mm. and, and Bandito, and it's like, there's a level of polish, polish that you just, like, these guys are fucking good. It's like, they're not missing those final details that makes mm. a good match. Yeah. They're not missing a fucking punch. They're not coming up short or frigging. Yeah, it's not looking, like, clumsy. It's not looking like, oh, what are we going to do what, before we get to mm. our next There's spot. no... There's no just almost like I've used everything I know how to do. I don't know what to do next. Yeah. Which you sort of could see a couple of times here and there in some of the couple other matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or your or your miss moves, which uh, Chaz has seemed to do quite a few of. Yeah, just like really, we call it whiffing it down here in uh, in in Australia. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, some of her stuff was either very soft or or you know a just... bit bit off. It just like there's a couple second delay in what she's actually done. Yeah, yeah, for real. So that was that was a really good match to open it up. But yeah, I did want to make sure to call attention to despite this venue being in the fucking middle of nowhere, Ferntree Gully, 
Um, it was actually fucking really nice. Yeah, it was like a smallish it. venue, like 400 capacity probably, but yeah. it had like nice stands, yeah. really professional lighting. Like it was like a purpose-built yeah. wrestling venue. It did, it did seem one of the nice little venues set up perfectly to show off the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like for Australian wrestling, drawing like 400 people mm. was pretty good especially overall. When especially when you're travelling an area out of the city, it's a... Mm, now, pretty pricey yeah. tickets mm. as well. No, very nice seats we got. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, run the first rises on the second night, and which, on the first yeah. night we're second row, which we we bought the cheapest tickets possible, and then I think we got bumped up. Yeah. Which, actually, the grandstand seats, second row, I reckon were better. Yeah, we that little bit of elevation. Elevation looking down and seeing more of the match, mm. and sort of looking up and having to see, sort of missing a few things here and there. Yeah, also, props to the canteen area. For both selling cheap, shitty beer, go home to, to VB, nothing wrong with that, for I think seven bucks, that was mm. alright, uh, but more so accepting card. Okay. Fucking, I did not expect that in my, my local indie wrestling. But did you miss your 4X? You've been a Queenslander now. Oh, yeah. You born in Melbourne, but been I, a Queenslander for like 20 years now. I have warmed to the, the beautiful shittiness of 4X oh. as well. The bogan's coming out in you. Yeah. The redneck. Well, I think either way, like if you go on VB or Forex, you're a pretty yeah. hard out bogan. Yeah. Just whether you're a north, northern bogan yeah. or a southern, southern bogan. Yeah. Your dad would be proud. <laughs> but I think I drink waste enough money on like expensive craft beer to where I can claim that I'm drinking this, classy, this bogan yeah. beer ironically. Yeah. So that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, any other standouts? Like, uh, to me, the, the best match of the whole. Uh, two shows was on night one. Yeah, it was like a PWG All Star fucking match. It was like um, Marty Skrull and Brody King as Villain Enterprises. What? No, no, not the main event. No, that was my favorite oh, match okay. of the show. I thought you you liked the Christopher Daniels Robbie Eagles. I liked okay. that a lot, but I think I liked this tag even better. So yeah, Villain Enterprises, uh, Marty Skrull and Brody King against um it was brian cage and i'm looking this up as we speak and adam brooks yeah yeah brooksy yeah, yeah. so like all uh former pwg guys uh, probably in the last 12 months i feel like see all of those guys there maybe a little bit more but still i thought it was bloody fantastic no that was definitely my favorite match brody king was so impressive yeah. like he's getting he's over too to like this crowd because last tour yeah. i heard they were like oh who's this guy this time. No, the moves he was capable of doing at his size, like, makes you just feel... Like, and he has, like, good. a big man presence to mm. him as well. He's not, like, one of these big guys that's, like, all right, I'm big, but I'm going to just mm, do flippy, flippy shit, shit to kind of, like, get over. Right. It's, like, he does the flippy shit, but, but it's, it's, like... based on the big man shit. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. just the tops it off. The, just the, the finishing touches where he does the... Was it a... He did some crazy shit. Yeah. I can't even remember half the crazy shit that he did, but it was did he like do a cannonball that time. Possibly. He also had like a really great like opening like arm drag shit sequence yeah. with uh, Brian Cage, mm. where they basically did like a lucha spot. It was pretty mm. awesome. But yeah, that was fantastic. But then yeah, the other one that was like I was like it's either that or this. My match, other match of the weekend was the main event with uh, Christopher Daniels against Robbie Eagles. And this, like, got me in the feels because it was, like, you know, I was telling you, Ben, like, yeah. how long ago it was, like, the first time I started watching Christopher Daniels. We both like, would watch that. those, like, ROH shows back in the day. 
Almost 16 years ago. Yeah. And then, like, TNA, you know, we were both fans of TNA going up through their their good uh, early days era. Where he was having these great matches with Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was some good times back then. Yeah, I've I've loved Fallen Angel, Christopher Dennis, Mm -hmm. for so long. And then, like, getting to see Mm -hmm. him now, you know, at the tail end of his career. But he's still pulling off that same shit he was doing back then. That's the insane shit about it. It, like, gets back to that polish, right? It's like, this is a great thing, like, comparing a Christopher Daniels match to like comparing some of that other stuff that we saw on, mm. on the shows and like just the level of just a complete fucking worker mm. and like professional yeah. in every yeah. way like he was covering up little things mm. that uh that, that robbie may have like missed yeah, here or there yeah. or whatever or i saw there were bits where he was like calling stuff to yeah, robbie, robbie but too, like in too. a really much more subtle way right, than yeah. most of the guys yeah, were yeah. talking to one another through the show yeah. like he's Fucking just, just supreme worker, hey. And even it's just in front of two and three hundred people, he treats it as if it's a big show. Yeah. The way he performs, he doesn't leave anything out. He yeah, this was like the quality um, of like top caliber, mm. like during last year when you'd have mm. like a big time like pay per view match mm. in ROH. Yeah. Like he was just getting to see him in a spotlight, like singles main event position yeah. at this age, like and just to see that he can still fucking go as, as well as he can was like really kind of special for me. And it was like the perfect well, dynamic as been. well, like between the, the heel face so, thing. Yeah. Remind me a lot of like your sort of classic kind of Ric Flair title defenses, yeah. where he's just kind of like carrying yeah. these. I mean, not to say Robbie's a fucking schmuck, yeah, but just the inexperience compared to Christian Daniels and what he's capable. I mean, Robbie's just wasn't great. Him. I've said before, I love Robbie. He's like probably the top. We're saying it's definitely yeah, either Robbie or um, Brooksy is the top, top Australian yeah, scholar today. But, yeah, just to see how well that worked just with, like, that. perfect white meat baby mm. face Robbie yeah, to, the, to Chris Daniels' the heel. heel. The heel that you love, though. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's the way he, he's able to interact. You can't hate him, even if he's a heel. He's just, mm. you back him. And, like, the working the body mm. part thing as well. Mm. Like he worked Robbie's back, mm. like, through the, the match and was, like, real consistent with it, had callbacks to it, like. Ben was a little bit sleepy yeah. during this match, I want to point out. Not because of the match itself. <laughs> I've just been up early because of work. And it just, uh, let's just say by 10.30, I was waning in a <laughs> little, little head bob here or there. Yep, there was uh, a bit of head bob. Yeah. So I saw that. I did see the, the great finish of the match. But some of the finer details I did miss, which was quite disappointing, considering it was up in the top two matches for the weekend. Yep. Yeah, this did probably didn't go to the ring till like 10, 10.30 maybe? Yeah, because of a 15 minute intermission. Oh, this was a long ass intermission. I swear it was only 40 minutes, 30, yeah. 40 minutes at least. It's like, I walk down the servo, grab a drink, get back. It's like, oh, yeah, should be right to go. <laughs> and we had like another yeah, 20 minutes. minutes. It's like, okay. I did want to call attention. They had this gimmick during intermission where people could uh, buy oh, raffle Janice. tickets to get Janice, which is Abyss's spiky fucking wood. Piece of timber. Gimmick uh, that he used in TNA yeah. all those days ago. So they gave the implication this is the same one, basically, yeah, right? I mean, they didn't specifically outright say it, but that was yeah. definitely the. Yeah, for two nights in a row for two <laughs> different Janice. <laughs> I swear I just saw you give away Janice Friday night, but you're yep. giving away another one Saturday night. Oh. Mm. Great, great hustle, guys. I'm just intrigued how he just managed to get Janice through customs. Yeah, that was. Like, I didn't think about that. How are you getting a fucking spiky nail piece of wood like, through customs? It's got twelve fucking big ass fucking nails. But when mm. a bit through it, the second night, it's like, 
this is getting stuck in that ring. Yeah, that fucked up the <laughs> canvas a little bit. We giggled at that. Entertaining. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I thought overall it was really good. There was also a really good uh, intergender match with Jordan Grace and Joey Ryan, night one, that I thought that was, was like funny. perfect was, yeah. for what it was. Um, Joey and his finest. Yeah, anything else that really stood out to you, like good or bad? Oh, I did like the musical chairs and started like... Oh, yeah, they started night two. So Flip was injured, so he kind of like did non-wrestling stuff. Um, but yeah, so night two they did musical chairs. Yeah, and which then, was fucking hilarious. The best part, though, was, they did it to the tequila song. Yeah, to the, oh, because the top Flamita one. and Bandito yeah. are, are in yeah. this musical chairs. But the best part was when they, they kept, every time it started a new little round, they started with a flossing. Yeah, yeah, you got... Like, we know how else. Bandito and Flamita yeah. mix of bloods yeah. have to do their, their flossing. Yeah. So you had Flamita, Bandito, Marty School, mm-hmm. you had Brody King watching, you had Flip Gordon. Brody King got eliminated right away because he just refused to sit down. It was perfect. And gave the crowd the finger. <laughs> yeah. And you had a special guest, is it Mesa? Uh, Fat Ass Massa from, from the Being the Elite show. Yeah. yeah. He was there. Yeah. And then you proceeded to see them. It was just. It was just fucking funny. It was. It was great. I mean, it just went as musical chairs goes, but there was there was different tensions Tensions going on. We had a bit of a program between Marty and Marcia throughout. Yeah, and uh, and the way Marty eliminated by just friggin' pushing (laughs) like he was going to try and fuck Marcia off, trying to throw him out of the ring almost. Okay, Marty really wants to win. He did make a thing saying, "Well, if we're gonna do it, I'm gonna win it." Marcia looked so sad when he got Mm. eliminated too. but he did. He did last longer than Flip. Yeah, yeah. Flip, Flip, did, Flip tried to jump on Master's lap, and uh, I think Flip's old... speed and agility in the the um the musical chairs was hampered by yes. his injured injured so knee. He proceeded to uh get eliminated first. Oh, yeah. Second, actually, after Brody, who was technically involved but technically did not participate. Yeah, and then the big protest. big final one came down to Bandito and Marty Skull. A very and heated and round. But. Marty got a little carried away with the dance. Yeah, Marty uh, originally didn't want any part yeah. of this. This which uh, made it even all the more funnier. Yeah, and, and then he just like you know you get into yeah, the music. Yeah. Tequila is a great song, yeah. and then yeah he, he ends up getting a little bit of the jive dancing yeah. going on. And then he proceeds to keep on dancing as he's losing. Yep. And did not take that well. Yep. So Bandito won the musical chairs, yes. but then we got the lead into yeah. probably the other match I thought was definitely the best yeah. match of night two. Uh, one of the best matches mm. of the whole uh, weekend, uh, Marty Skull and Bandito. That was so yeah. good. That if anything, I wish it could have gone a bit longer. Yeah, but that could be two. said about a lot of the matches on Night yeah. 2. Night 2 did seem to cut quite a few around that 10 to 12 minute time mm. frame. It didn't seem to have too many longer than that. And, like, I guess opening matches, you're not meant to go all out, like, 25 minutes. Mm. Like, just kill it, do a main event thing, and then, like, you know, how Robbie and Slet's going to follow that yeah, in the main yeah. event. It can that that first one is too long, too big. It can sort of take the life out of the crowd. If it, yeah, it's a lot to live up to somehow. It is, it is. But no, I thought that was really fun match. Mm. Hey, like yeah. that scene, Bandito's um, what is it? The the Millennium Plex thing where he does like the sort of roll over the their back springboard back into the German yeah. suplex. It's it's pretty. Yeah, I, I don't know how else to describe it. It was just beautiful to see. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Marty put over Bandito mm. in the match. Bandito was the victor. 
So I guess that means that in the future, uh, Flamita and Bandito are in line for a tag title shot for the mm. WSW tag titles against Bill and Enterprise. That could be no, good. Yeah. So do you think uh, so? All said and done, you think next time you'll be you'll be going along to another show if I'm not coming down or? Oh, it it, it definitely didn't disappoint. So I'd be inclined to go to another show. Just Frederick going is a long way to. Uh, it is. If we didn't have your your work car, I think it would have been for quite a long evening. Yeah. Especially trying to find your way home at quarter to eleven. Is a, and that side of town is a. It's only Uber. Yep. It's a public transport. Not going that way. Mm. But to, to close the, the segment, I wanted to make sure I give props to your brother's awesome pizza. So Ben's brother, yeah. Josh, uh, is a bit of a, a pizza extraordinaire. Yeah. He's got his uh, his pizzas going, little Alan's pizza. Yeah, pizza, right, yeah. And he uh, made us a, a home, uh, home-cooked pizza yesterday. Mm. And so we were able to have a uh, for dinner prior mm. to the show. But then after the show... Leftover this pizza yeah. was just like five stars for me. I was telling Ben, I think it officially uh, replaces, maybe not replaces, on the same level of uh, In and Out Burger following yeah. the wrestling show. Uh, it was a nice uh, bit of pulled pork on the pizza, and then the other was mm-hmm. a nice uh, just the simple pepperoni, which does seem to be my favourite at the moment. Yeah, if done well, simple pepperoni yeah. is like where it's at, I reckon. It does, it doesn't disappoint. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's us. Thanks for your contribution, Ben. Yes. Of the show. Happy to have you on. Thank you very much. All right, we'll go back to the the main show where I'll probably be repeating this whole story <laughs> to to Jeremy. We'll see how we go. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right, we're back. Uh, that was wonderful. <laughs> Man, I, I wish I could have been there. You guys sound like you're having such a good time. Oh yeah, the the afterglow of this show was something else. And then the following day, I got to go. To Underworld Wrestling in person, which was... Uh, how was that? Oh, dude, so good. Like, more so than the actual show, just the overall vibes of it. I'm so glad it was at Claw HQ rather than the pop-up venue it was meant to be because I got to go through those gates, those those Ooh. cult gates. I got to, to go into the... They have a separate room before you go into the actual wrestling room where it's like a pre-drinks uh, room where they have the, the Claw cult happy hour. Uh, where I got to enjoy uh, wonderful cheap beer as well as uh, Kool-Aid spiked with vodka. That I was love wonderful. that they actually had legitimate Kool-Aid at the, right? at the cult. It's so fitting. Oh, <laughs> so great. And I already told you this, yeah. but for our listeners, then once we went into the actual wrestling room while we were warming up for the show, the, the claw of the cult came out during the warm-up to the show, all shrouded in, in their... their uh, uh, cloaks as as they should be, led by none other than uh, Mark Williamson, the the claw leader himself, uh, the fiendish one, and they were carrying a, a tray of shots of Kool Aid <laughs> with the vodka uh, that they so were prepared awesome. to give to any member of the audience that was prepared to completely give themselves on to the claw and and sing out its its praises. Uh, in a public forum, which I gladly did. I was the first one to stand up and said, yes, sir, I will join this cult. And I, I fast, uh, fastly drunk that, that Kool-Aid. <laughs> so I hate vodka. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm easily convinced. Uh, that's all it takes to make me join a cult. So yeah, bloody wonderful time. And the wrestling was really fun as well. 
So great okay. times. Would totally recommend to any of our uh, Melbourne listeners, if we do have anyone in that neck of the wood, uh, make sure you check out Underworld Wrestling. I had some other stuff I was originally going to talk about, but I think we've gone long enough. What do you think, Yeah, sir? might as well uh, carry that on to the next show if it's uh, worth a darn. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I Hey, WrestleMania weekend is shaping up to be nice, is it not? Oh, man, I'm so excited. Uh, I was just thinking about it this morning, actually. It was like all these shows we have coming up, and it's like there's a new trip, trepidatiousness uh, to it in, with the idea of so much wrestling we're going to watch because I was honestly a little bit pooped after watching three wrestling shows in three days the other week in person. Understood. And we're going to be watching, like, four wrestling shows in one day, like, yeah. three or four days in a row. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Oh, dear. <sighs> all right, well, we'll talk a little bit more about that on the next show. Let's go ahead and plug before we get out of here. What's all with the social suplex, Chris? Oh, well, uh, before the social suplex, you can uh, find myself on the Instagram. Oh, indeed. Uh, you can find myself at Chris Things, a little bit of the artwork up there. I don't want to plug myself too hard after how awesome um, Jedi Jack Yeti was, but uh, I I like to think I I do okay, you know, do some prints, do some bits and pieces, this, that and the other. Uh, It's all fun, it's all fun. Uh, So check it out there, also on the Twitter. Yeah, a bit of this, this and that. On the Twitter, I retweet funny shit. I enjoy it. (laughs) <laughs> that Chris thinks as well <laughs> and uh, I am at James Vanderbeek at J-A-I-M-S Vanderbeek less art from me unless you consider stupid photographs art there's I plenty do. of that I do. and puns and jokes and all that on both both platforms and if you're a wrestler or even somebody who just wants to make a shirt hit me up I'll help you out with that do it and you can also check out the show Twitter at Grown Man Pod, where you can get all the mm-hmm. updates on when we'll have a next episode coming out. I don't know, we, we might end up doing an extra episode so we don't have to do one while we're in New York. Maybe. Oh, or but, maybe one in New York. Well, we'll definitely record some stuff in New York. Uh, okay. But in terms of when well, it's going up, I don't want to have to actually show. edit proper and post show. something when we're there. Facts. Yeah. We'll see how we go. We'll keep you posted uh, at Grown Man Pod. Uh, also, I'd like to thank our partners at uh, Social Suplex Wrestling Podcast Network. A lot of other great shows on there. We have uh, One Nation Radio, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, Wilfred Watchers, Omega Luke, the All Elite Show, Keeping It Strong Style. Uh, all of that at socialsuplex.com. Woo! Oh, before we get out of here, one last thing. Uh, King Kong Bundy, everyone knows he passed away, rest in peace. Well, his cats, he had like 10 of them, and they're all up for adoption. Um, I'm not sure if they're at a kill shelter or not, but they're all sitting there waiting for a forever home. I retweeted the link today, which is March the 21st. If you go on my timeline and scroll and see the thing, uh, Jason Solo Monster posted it. Uh, So, yeah, if you want to or can help out and adopt one of King Kong Bundy's fucking cats? Give it a go. Do it. Do it. You, you can help a cat out in life. You can be a good cat owner, and you can also tell your friends, hey, I have King Kong Bundy's cat. You know? It's and a win-win. And you give that cat till five. <laughs> you always give it five. <laughs> awesome. All right, thanks, guys. Awesome, man. Love Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Jackson Zorn. Uh, thank you, Thank Chris. you. Oh. 
Thanks, thanks man. Courtney. Yeah, thanks, Courtney. Fuck. <laughs> All right, let's Peace. shut this baby down. Oh, I gotta go eat, Chris. Are you saying your closing show thing? I said get twifty already. Why should I say it again? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> oh, so, so awkward. I meant I wanted to go get food. Get swifty. <laughs> Our best closing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>